A huge congratulations to Whalen Bay. They are the number one dealer in sales in the nation for Mako and Tahoe boats. How cool is that? Hey folks, Captain Kevin Favor here for Whalen Bay Marine, and I've been telling you for years how much I love the Mako Pro Skiff Series. They're an absolute inshore fishing machine. But don't forget, they also carry tracker boats, nitro performance fishing boats, sun tracker pontoon boats, and Tahoe boats. Now you want some bigger news? Whalen Bay is now the dealer for Ranger boats. The new Ranger Saltwater Bay boats look amazing. Also, Ranger Aluminum Series and Ranger pontoons, which are perfect for fishing and just relaxing. So now, no matter what your boating needs are, Whalen Bay has you covered. And I can promise you that when you buy your new boat, all the folks at Whalen Bay will make sure your boat is rigged correctly and in a timely manner. You can do all this at Whalen Bay in St. Augustine located at 845 State Road 207 or give them a call at 217-3778 or visit WhalenBayMarine.com. Whalen Bay Marine, your authorized dealer for tracker boats, Nitro, Sun Tracker, Tahoe, Mako, and now your full line of Ranger boats. And remember, every day is a boat show at Whalen Bay Marine. jam what a jam i hate that song yeah yeah sure you do it's terrible yeah right good morning and welcome to the nimnik outdoor show jeff logman along with captain kirk walsh uh, captain favor is going to be calling in checking in with us from georgia uh, probably in the nine o'clock hour yep doing a little sabbatical got the weekend off and uh for those that uh, good for him yeah for those that don't know just to, to let everybody know uh, Kevin lost his mom, mm-hmm. and uh, so if, if you if you think about it, send him a, a text and hey, you're thinking about him, and yeah. sorry for the loss of your mom. And, yeah, man, thoughts and prayers for his family. Yep, for sure. And uh, you know he'll be back back in the studio here shortly before long. But uh, yeah, uh, I know that it was a, probably a, a trying week for the Favor family, but also mm-hmm. a, a little bit of a celebration of life. That's oh, right. Yeah, absolutely. For sure, for sure. That, that's a real positive. That's right. But we've got a lot to talk about. We're going to have a special guest today sitting in with us at about about 7.40. Mr. Rick Hall is going to be coming in. And I'll give you all the details about him, but he's a guy that I've known for quite some time. Him and a friend started a podcast, and he's a diehard Ooh, outdoorsman. Yeah. And they've got – he's involved with a charity that's here in town that works with veterans with post-traumatic syndrome. And uh, – it, this is going to be interesting to hear exactly what he has, uh, what exactly what they do, and then also to talk to him about some hunting and fishing. You know, I always like getting different perspectives, and Rick Rick hunts a lot of public ground, so we can talk a lot about that because public ground is where what a lot of people do. You know, we're fortunate to be able to have some private properties that we end up hunting. You know, the yeah. one that I have, and Kirk, you lease, and, yep. and Kevin's awesome. got a small piece that he owns, and then they uh, they lease some ground around it, so. It's going to be cool to get a little different perspective on that. Uh, we've got some things coming up. Next week, we're going to be live at Atlantic Coast Marine. Yeah. Yep. Uh, going to sit there with the uh, Pathfinder boys and uh, Cobia and uh, with Brett Cannon and his crew, and they're going to put on a shindig. Looking forward to that. Yep. Uh, it's called an open house. Uh, as I understand it, they're going to have a barbecue. And in, in the style he did last year when we were over there, um, 
some incredible raffle items. I think last year they gave away a really nice, uh, what is it, 36-volt trolling motor? Yeah. Um, a cooler or something Yeah, which like we that. weren't Yeti eligible and... for, which I thought that was, that's a terrible rule. That's a terrible rule. They've, they've got to adjust adjust that for Agreed. us. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a terrible rule. But I give it to Brett. He really puts on a good shindig. I think last year we had, you know, fresh donuts and coffee, and, and then they fired up the barbecue pretty early. And as I recall, we were actually eating barbecue when we got off the air at 10 o'clock, and they had a full – Full spread on out there, mm. which was pretty phenomenal. That's a good thing. It was a good thing. And there was a mess of folks that showed up. And he gets the opportunity to showcase all the new boats that they'll have on the lot. The new 24 Pathfinder Opens, which are a different design of, of bay boat for them. I'm looking forward to seeing that, yeah, because uh, – It's a cool boat. Yeah, there's there's – the one thing about Pathfinder is that their hull has been tried and true and tested and proven for years. It has, and it's been a unique uh, – And in a lot of ways, why change oh. what works? Well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. Uh, and you and I have had the opportunity over the years, I mean, having done this show for well over 20 years, riding a lot of different bay boats. And a lot just, of different bay boats. And just the smallest thing has an incredible impact on the smooth ride of the boat. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it is. I mean, I'm not a, a designer or an engineer, but I can tell you that's one of those boats, the Pathfinder, that's been, like you said, tried and true, and yeah. it's it's a nice boat. It, it's a it's a it's a great boat. I mean, and we fished in ours, you know, mine last Saturday after the show, and it's just a perfect example under some of the most extreme conditions. It was sporty. It was sporty. <laughs> I was real happy those guys didn't get seasick. Yeah, it was, we we it was one of those up, days you could get sick. Well, we had my buddy Ed was in town this past week, so we yeah. were we had a, a day of fishing with Kevin, and then we fished with you, and then we went turkey hunting. And the day that we fished with you, we we were able to sneak it in Saturday before the weather. A lot of the lightning started to show up, and the weather got really bad. But it was. But it was the wind was blowing a little bit, but it wasn't unfishable. But I can tell you, we were around the tips of the jetties, and if you don't know what you're doing around the tips of the jetties and with the weather, yeah, you can get in trouble in a hurry. I know we made the turn with my Pathfinder. I had to kind of crank the motor up a little bit, and we stood the nose up. Yeah, and I could see the look on Ed's face. <laughs> And Ben, as we made that turn, they were like, "Whoa!" There, there's always a little bit of tension when you're out at the tips of the jetties and you're seeing boats that are going by and they disappear. Yeah. And what I mean by that is that literally they disappear. Yeah. When they go down into the trough of a wave, and if you're also in a lower spot, you don't see them. You might see their, the, you know, the top of the t-top. Right. But when a boat fully disappears. If you had to guess, how big were the waves at the tip of the jetties in that tide, in that rip? Because the tide makes it. It was four to sixes. Yeah, easy. Four to sixes. Yeah, and some, I, some bigger. Some some a little bit, probably like seven. Well, and it was the funny thing. It was incoming tide. You know, we were right at the top of the incoming tide and was going to turn. But because of the winds uh, over the previous week, even though it had settled down a lot, there was a groundswell. And so – you know, at that point, there was a lot of what I call disorganized swells. You know, they're coming from every angle. You had a southeast wind. You had a northeast wind that had blown. So it's a lot of cross swell, cross chop, what, what Kevin and I call a nervous ocean. And there's no 
no trough to it. And when we went around the point there and you looked over in the inlet, all those guys that were like, yeah, we're going offshore. I remember we talked about it going, mm-hmm. yeah, wonder how long that's going to last. And mm-hmm. you saw a lot of them blast out there. And then uh, 45 minutes later, Turn around, turn, they're coming back. They're going, Ugh, I don't know about this, you know. Well, we got a lot to get to. We got uh, a couple of days of fishing to talk about. Uh, three days of turkey hunting. That uh, the conversation is not going to be very long for me. I think all of my birds left and went to Kirk's place. Yeah, it's, our place has been phenomenal. Um, it, it, yeah, I mean, are, have turkeys become migratory now? Well, I know <laughs> where we are in in the uh, Swanee River Valley. Jeez, there, it's like one year our place will be hot, and the next year it's dead. It's dead as a hammer. Well, I got and the dead as a hammer this year. I don't know what we did different <laughs> other than putting in those food pots. And I know that, uh, you know, having uh, Judd and his son Will doing a lot of work out there. We did a ton of work at uh, Soggy Bottom Hunt Club there. And Soggy Bottom Hunt Club. Soggy Bottom Hunt Club. And I think it <laughs> We made... thought you was a toad. A toad. toad. <laughs> I remember One of the I... greatest movies of all time. It was classic. I know when I told Bill that we were going to name it that, he looked at me and started laughing in the truck, and he goes, really? I said, yes, sir. I love that movie. And he goes, that's really funny. And I said, well, What was, what was the name it. of the movie? It wasn't Soggy Bottom. Oh, Brother, where are Oh, Brother, where are thou? Yeah. <laughs> awesome movie. It was a great movie. Just so off the wall. What is it? That song, I Am a Man. Constant Sorrow. Constant Sorrow. Yeah, a Man of Constant Sorrow. That's yeah. a great song. <laughs> When that guy's playing the banjo and he does oh, a yeah. does a ZZ top and flips it all the way around, yes. that's like classic. Yep. It's like I like great this, movie. I like this writer. So uh, we got some turkey hunting to talk about. We have uh, uh, three days of it, and Ed had four days of it, and uh, I don't, I'm not going to take very long to talk about it. But it's got some good stories. Yep. And Favor had a good day, and it was it, it was interesting. Favor had a. A great day on Sunday. Aaron, which is his son-in-law, right, was fishing with us on Friday. Came into the radio studio Saturday. Mm-hmm. They go to Georgia. They hunt. They get a bird, and a Kevin, nice bird. yeah, Kevin sends the picture. I mean, great bird, great. I mean, big old beard, yeah. big beard, big beard of turkey, which is. You know, it's not uncommon, but I mean, the size of this beard when you look at it, and if you go to the Outdoor Show Facebook page. You'll see the welcome to the Nimnik Family Dealerships Outdoor Show post, and that's Aaron with Kevin on the front porch. And if you look at the size of the beard of that turkey, even people that know turkeys and have looked at a lot of turkey pictures and are hunters, when they see the picture of that bird, they're going to go, look at the size of that beard. Yeah, that was a good one. It was a good one. I mean, for their first turkey. So they, they get that one on Sunday. And then I get a text from Kevin, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday it was, and he says, uh, you've been turkey hunting? And my reply was, if you would call it that, <laughs> I would probably more likely call it just sitting in the woods. Sitting in the woods listening to birds. <laughs> no, not even listening to them. Woodpeckers. I mean, it was, it's, been, it's been a struggle yeah. for me, but... That's just the way it goes. Sometimes it's hot, sometimes it's not. So I texted a buddy of mine that lives up there where 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 I'm at, and I said, Hey, I said, What's what's the story? He says, There's really not much. He goes, Everybody's having a tough time. Wow. So I don't know if it's just a stage that the birds were in or I don't know exactly how to describe it or how to explain it, but mm-hmm. it's been tough. Yeah. So and I, I 
I've been saying this for a while. I'm not sure exactly why the state of Georgia moved the season back all the way into April yeah, and then still continues to keep the season all the way into May. Yeah, I just, to, give you, to give you an example, Virginia opened up their season a week after Georgia did. Well, look, let's look at proximity of, of where so, these states are. That's a long way it's off. It's a long way to the north. Yeah, it's right? a long way. So why are you delaying the start of Georgia's turkey season all the way into April when Virginia's opening their season seven days later? And they're much farther to the north. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and look, I understand what they're trying to accomplish, but I also don't understand that two weeks of the season into May. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I kind of understand it. What they're trying to do is to allow the birds to breed and then to let the hens get on the nest and then make gobblers more killable. But if you're still, if you're still ending up allowing the hunting of the birds, yeah, then the birds are still going to end up being taken. Yeah. So why not eliminate the two weeks in the May? Well, I, and I you know, I hate the heat. This and time that's of year. the other thing. I mean, it gets so hot so quick. Um, I, I, I went once early this week. And by ten thirty, you're like, okay, yeah, it's you're okay. I'm, 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 I'm done. done. Well, here, here's the thing: the weather, the weather has been a little bit off this season. When I say off, yeah, we we got warm early. My my fields are always kind of the gauge of where we are in the turn uh, in the spring turkey season. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that: early in the turkey season, in the past when it started in March. The first week and two, uh, I would say the first week or two of the turkey season, you would walk the fields to see if you could find any deer sheds Yeah, while you were hunting. In the first couple weeks of the hunting season this year, you were lucky to find a shed in the field because the fields were so tall. Mm-hmm. They had grown. Yeah, everything you know, because popped. I, I plant oats and wheat in the in the fall and then also it there's mixed with clover in there and chicory and mm-hmm. and there's two kinds of clover and so you can walk the fields usually in the first couple of weeks of the turkey season and find sheds and when i say walk you can walk and when you're walking you're covering you know kind of a 10 yard wide area yeah. while you're looking yeah. and if you get uh you don't have to be right on top of it in order to find it yeah well this year i mean right now my oats and wheat are are to the thigh. Wow. And, I mean, the turkey, they can go in there. And disappear. But they just, yeah, they completely disappear. And turkeys like to have open ground mm-hmm. to be able to breed and to, to forage for insects and all that kind of stuff. They don't like to be in a, a three-foot-tall jungle. No. You know, because it makes them more susceptible to predators. Yeah. So, it's just a bit, it's been a very different year. Very different year. A little frustrating so far, but it's not over yet. Yeah. <laughs> so, I I'm being patient. A lot of times it's just a patience game, but sometimes it's just not there. I mean, in our place, I know sometimes, some years, it's just like they're not there, and you don't know where they are. Where'd they go? Where'd they go? Yeah. I mean, you got game cameras all winter long you're running, and I know we're coming up on a break, but it's it's just like you look at the game cameras and, and you're thinking – Look at all the flocks of turkeys. I, I mean, we had two big flocks of turkeys. Now, they stayed, and we're seeing a lot of 
a, a lot of gobblers, and we're seeing a lot of hens. That's the one thing that this year that I've I've noticed. I've bumped into two hens that are I know they're on nest just by where they're at. Yeah, you know, um, I had Brad with me uh, last last Monday. How many times have you had that happen? Very infrequently. Isn't that amazing? It really is. For for what we're talking about is hens, turkeys, unlike a lot of other birds, they nest on the ground. They're ground nesters. Mm-hmm. And so you'll be walking along sometimes, and if you're fortunate, all of a sudden you'll see a turkey jump up out of a patch of brush, and you're like, what in the world? Where? Why is that thing there? Yep. And then all of a sudden you go over to investigate where that turkey jumped up from, you sometimes will find a nest yep. where she's sitting on the eggs to keep them obviously warm and waiting on them to hatch. But it's, I think I've had that happen twice of all the years of turkey hunting. Mm-hmm. I've only found a nest twice. Yeah. How many have you seen? I've seen one, one, one that Isn't I that walked up on. And, and I we've been hunting for years. Shoot. 20 something years. Yeah. 25 years. Out the, out and I haven't found at. one in probably it's been 12 years. 10 or 12 years? We ran into, when I was with Kyle a week or so ago with his friend Frank, we parked way up on the high end of a road to walk down to the swamp. When we got out of the truck, it was just cracking barely on the horizon, just enough to where it was just a little bit of light. And I saw a bird come up, and he goes, what is that? And I said, that's, that's a hen. And we were all talking about, wow, there's hens right here. That's cool. I said, well, you know why they're there. And he looked at me and kind of, you know, like, I, I don't know. I guess she's cutting through there. And I said, no, no, no. I said, she's on a nest. Mm-hmm. That's why she's there. You know, and I'm like, I'm not going to go there and look, but I know it's right there. It's got to right. be right there. And that, that's that been a very unique opportunity because you don't see that a lot. No. And then it's, when I was it's pretty Brad, unique. Early in the week, like I think it was Monday, we had, we had one do the same thing, pitch down right on the edge of a clear cut and then walk out in the clear cut and disappear. And I'm like, I know where she's going. Mm-hmm. She's going in that clear cut. She's got a nest over there. Somewhere over there. Yeah. It, it's so interesting to see. Uh, I've, I've, I've found turkeys and found their nest. Mm-hmm. And then I had an experience to where I came up on a hen turkey that had pulse. Oh, that's cool. That was a reaction that was just incredible to watch. And the female turkey, her first response is, I've got to protect my young. Yeah. I got to protect my nest. So when I walked up on a turkey with a nest, the first thing they do is they try to draw you away from the nest. Just like a kill deer. Exactly. They go over and start acting really weird. They act funny. Yeah, they act real funny. Come and get me. I'm hurt. And uh, follow me. Mm -hmm. When she has young, she acts even crazier. Oh, I'm wounded. Yeah. My wing is broken. Yeah. Come and get me. It's really neat. It is unbelievable to watch. Yeah. I mean, she acts like she just got stabbed and she's going to die at any second and she's a great meal. Come get her. And if she's trying to lure you away from her poults or little ones, because I had that happen and I remember I was going, she's trying to pull me away from, from something. So I said, let me walk back over to where she was just at. And you walk over there and you see all these little bitties. Yeah, they're small too. And they're all just sitting there real still, not wanting to move at all because they know that it's danger. How about that? It's, that's the thing that's really amazing to me. How does the genetic coding, how do they know that? You know, God has instilled that within their little pea brains to like, okay, 
don't move. It's like a fall. Yes. They lay down, and the predator will be right next to them, and they won't move a muscle. And I guess it's that like they statue. don't have a high degree of smell. Yeah, I guess. Well, in other words, they don't smell. They have no scent. Yeah, they don't have a lot of scent, so that the predators can't readily find them. Right. Which, uh, which is amazing. And I guess that's all part of the genetic process of how these animals are wired from, Miracle. yeah, from our creator yeah. or whatever. Miracle of life. It is. Right it there. is amazing. It is cool. But I remember walking up on that hen, and then. I walked back towards where she left from, and all of a sudden there's her little bitties, and she literally is circling me, doing the old, I'm hurt, I'm hurt, come mm-hmm. get me, trying to draw me away yeah. from her young. And she would not leave until I left. Yeah. I mean, I had to leave the area of the zip code for her to finally kind of ease back around to get her young. But it was amazing to see. Yeah, they're, they're cool animals. I mean, I know that. The people that I've taken hunting, it's like Brad killed his first bird this year. God bless him. And, and Kyle called it in for him. I remember one of the first things he said to me, man, he said, when you're sitting on the ground, he said, those birds are huge. And I'm going, yeah. Um, you know. Can I know be. I had a, a breakfast with Steve early in the week, and and, and um, we were talking about it. And he goes, well, how big are they? And I said, you know, I said, they'll stand three feet off the ground. Yeah, some of them. I said, some of the big gobblers. And he's like, really? I said, look, it's a big animal. Bigger than you realize. Beautiful animal, too. All right, let's take a break. We come back. We're going to do a weather and a ties and more right here on the Nimnik Buick GMC Outdoor Show presented by Duck Duck Rooter. Go ahead, Kirk. I know you're a memory lane right now. Was that Pablo Cruz? Yes, sir. Took a second, man. Well played. That's a good one. That, that's a that's one of those songs that uh, didn't get a ton of airplay. No, he was like a one-hit wonder. Yeah, because it was just one of them songs that lasted what, Chris? Maybe a couple years, popularity-wise, and then man, but it still was great. It's a great that's song. Awesome song. Well, not only that, it, it has a lot of Steely Dan overtones. Yeah, it sure does. The guitar. Oh, yeah, yeah totally. I mean, you, you definitely could, you know, confuse it for that. Anyway. Welcome back to the Nimnik Chevrolet Outdoor Show presented by Duck Duck Rooter. Let's do a weather report brought to you by the best barbecue in Jacksonville, Bearded Pig. Two locations, one at the beach, one in San Marco. And if I had to make one suggestion, try the Frito Pie. Oh. I think it's I think it's one of the best things on the menu, but that's just me. I, I just go off about the brisket. It just well, that's got see the Frito pie's got brisket in it. Ugh. It's got Fritos. Okay, that's why it's called Frito pie. In case you didn't figure that out, but it's got Fritos. It's got a bean casserole. Mm. It has brisket. It's got some kind of I'm sure it's low fat blue cheese kind of stuff put oh, in I'm there. I'm sure it's low <laughs> fat. Yeah, everything up there is low fat. Right. It's really good. But it's, it's my good. favorite. I, the weather high pressure will build briefly over the region today before a weak prefrontal trough lifts northeastward across the waters tonight. Cold front is going to pass through the water Sunday night. Ugh. Showers and thunderstorms preceding it Sunday afternoon and evening. For us here, the waters today, west winds 5 to 10 knots becoming southeast 10 to 15 in the afternoon. Seas 2 to 3 feet with a 7-second interval. Tonight, south winds 10 to 15, 2 to 3 feet. 
Tomorrow, south winds 5 to 10, increasing to 10 to 15 in the afternoon, seas 2 to 3 feet, with a period of 7 seconds. On Monday, northwest winds 15 to 20 knots, diminishing to 5 to 10 in the afternoon. Tuesday, north winds 5 to 10 knots. Wednesday, east winds 5 to 10 knots. So, uh... Take a take a look also with the one thing they always add. This is interesting. And this is the old uh here's your sign. If you can't figure this out on your own, you're probably needing a little bit of help. Yeah. Winds and waves higher in and near thunderstorms. Really? <laughs> Wonder why that is. It might have something to do with the forty mile an hour winds. <laughs> there you go. Well, there's a front coming through Sunday, so they're talking about right now zero percent chance of rain today or minimal, and then tomorrow sixty percent chance of rain. So folks, bring your Bring your raincoats if you're going to run around. Probably once the heat builds a little bit, the thunder boomers will probably be in the afternoon, be my guess. But there is a front coming. And with that front, it's going to bring cooler temperatures because they're talking Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night in the 50s, 59, Monday night, Tuesday night, 52, 56. So, you know, that'll be nice. Mid-70s in a day. Yeah, I'll take it'll it. It'll be very, very nice Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday from a temperature standpoint. Some pretty weather, you know. I kind of like this weather. Like you said before we, we took the last break, this has been a really unusual weather weather year. We fished last Saturday after the show, you and, and Ed Popek and his son Ben and, and I, and we knew that there was a front coming. It was mm-hmm. very evident. There was a lot, of, a lot of rain up the river. The guys that fished up the river that day, I mean, Jeremy, when I saw Jeremy and talked to him that evening, he said they got soaked twice. We never got a drop of rain on us hardly at all. We no. didn't even put the raincoats on. I think one time Ed put it on. Yeah. And then was like, why did I do this? Because it's not raining. Yeah, and it, and it was warm. <laughs> and so, yeah, putting on raincoats not a lot of fun. But that being said, that was some really intense weather that, that we had earlier in the week yeah. for, for this time of year, and that's unusual. All right, let's do a Tide Support brought to you by Angie, Angie Subs. I was actually Subs. there yesterday. Oh, that's a shot. Went by and got my fix. Oh, my gosh. Got the crispy French fried tater tot mix. I'll tell you what, you go over there, and you're going to get a good sandwich. You want a good sandwich or a good salad, that's the place to go. I got a Dr. Bang's oh, boy. sub on an onion roll mm. all the way, please. Mm. And I just I, I can't help it because it seems like it happens with nearly all the subs, but I just load it up with the Peruvian sauce. Well, they give you a bottle of that on the table now, don't they? I know, and I take advantage of it. But it was really good. Saw, saw Ed there. Bit. Saw our uh, our sheriff you? as well. Oh, John. Mr. TK. Oh, TK Waters. Yep, yep. Awesome. Said hi to him. And you know who else I saw? Um, uh, Mr. Uh, uh, used to be our mayor, John Delaney. John Delaney. Awesome. Yes. Saw, saw John and his wife. That's cool. And he was there having lunch, and he is now the president of Flagler College. Yeah, yeah. So it's good to see him. Fourth career. Yeah, it's awesome. He's amazing. It's awesome. Yeah, we ran into him in Cruisers, I guess, about five months ago. And my wife follows him on, I guess, on Facebook or something like that. (laughs) She's like, "Is that is that John Delaney?" And I, I said, "Yeah, honey." And I used to take him fishing all the time, so I, I know him real well. And I said, yeah, that's, that's Mr. Mayor. She goes, can I he meet is him? super nice guy. He is. He's one of the most approachable people. Great guy. All right, tides, tides for Mayport. High tide at 522 this morning. Um, and then you've got uh, a low tide at 1126. I kind of like these tides right now. Though it seems like 
with the conditions we had earlier in the week, a higher outgoing tide is going to benefit you more, even though um, I didn't fish very much this week at all. Uh, the guys that did go out yesterday. Yeah, who did fish a lot this uh, week? Um, not the many people, but I know Jeremy went out, went out Wednesday, and um, I know some of the guys went out Thursday. And then I didn't fish yesterday. I was a little under the weather, but uh, they said the water out to out to twenty miles was just filthy. Oh, with all the wind, absolutely. But with these high outgoing tides, it does benefit you a little bit in fishing because that clean water hopefully will help you a little bit in 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 pro- production. You know, mm-hmm. if you're looking for fish. I know last week when we were out there, you could tell that it was stirred up. I mean, it was clean, but it wasn't like. Real well, before the wind started, it was as pretty as we've seen in a while. It, it had, and, and it's gonna, it'll calm down. It will. It'll take three or it'll, four days. It'll, it'll calm get down. nice. It'll get nice. It'll take a little bit, but uh, but anyway, um, wanted to remind everybody that next week we're going to be at Atlantic Coast Marine. Yep. And Brett Cannon and then the folks at Atlantic Coast Marine are going to have all kinds of goodies. I'm sure giveaways, food, the whole nine yards. You can come out and check out all the new Pathfinders. And all the other boats that they carry. Cobia, Everglades. We're also going to be joined by Dr. Quentin White there at Atlanta Coast Marine. Very nice. Which is exciting. He actually, I was texting with him, and I said, hey, I said, uh, how are you doing? You know, he just was uh, sick recently, and he said, he's better. And he said, yeah, I'm turkey hunting tomorrow. I said, well, good for you, Doc. And so he said, look, uh, can we get together at some point in the future? And I said, yeah. I said, uh Gave him some dates, and so he's going to come to Atlantic Coast Marine so we can catch up with him on all the latest and greatest. Yeah, I'll be curious to get his take on some of the research that we've discussed the last couple of weeks. Yeah, some of the, the fish that uh, were discovered to have pharmaceuticals in them. Yep, bonefish, redfish. Which, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago, and it was redfish, and they were sampling from across the state. So we'll talk to him about that. also talk to him about some of the impacts of uh, what we're seeing in our area from other things, including – I know the deepening of the channel and the river yep. and, and other things as well. But uh, So looking forward to seeing him as well. And we'll also have uh, Brett on, and I know he's probably been chasing birds too. I know Brett. He's probably been hunting. I know he's been working hard. They, you know, they've redone the whole Atlantic Coast Marine, paved the parking lot, new offices, um, you know, new display areas, new maintenance area. Got a lot of new models in. Pathfinder came out with a new model. Um, a lot of new Cobia boats. He's got Everglades on a lot. Um, Crown Points, which are out of Beaufort, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Some of the new boats they're investing into and, and up and coming in the, in the, I guess you'd call it conversion between a bay boat and an offshore boat kind of a thing. So it'll be, be interesting to see all the new products out and have a chance to talk to him about what's coming on the well, horizon. Well, and then also, to, I, I want to find out, and this is interesting to me because when we had COVID, I mean, boats were, were just flying off of the shelf, so to speak. Yeah. And and what has happened since then? You know, has it slowed down? Uh, but, I mean, the influx of people moving into our area hasn't really slowed down. No. So has the boat still, the boat traffic, you know, flying out the door, so to speak, at the dealerships, has that still continued to roll? So we'll talk to Brett about that and more. So uh, looking looking forward to that. All right. So I got I to gotta tell you my turkey stories from this week. Okay. Okay. So, go up to Georgia on Sunday night late. And when you are going into a place kind of blind, so in other words, you haven't had the chance to scout, Yeah, the first thing that you always kind of do is say, 
I'm going to go where the birds have been for years, typically where they're at. And that was right before dark. You went down there just to no, hear them roost. No, or? no, I didn't even. I didn't even want to. Didn't want to do that. Risk messing it up. Right. I said I'm going to go there tomorrow. I'm going to take my bow, and I'm, I'll be good. I mean, I've had encounters with turkeys there, and it's like every year. Mm-hmm. So I get there at first light, and I was humping it a little bit to make sure that I made it before because of the where, where I'm going is in an open area it's a kind of edge of a replanted clear cut so you got to get in there a little bit early i get in there and put a gobbler decoy out and first light comes and i'm waiting and waiting and i hate that waiting and woodpeckers are going on waiting crows crows, hawks yeah all the warblers nothing oh not a hen that's hateful not a not a gobble could i hear I think I heard one gobble somewhere off in the distance, but couldn't quite exactly make where it was at. And I was like, holy, really? So I leave there, go back, because you you can't run and gun with a bow. I can't. No. For me, if you're going to bow hunt a turkey, you've got to kind of be set and and ready. You got to have a ground blind. So I I said, all right, let me go back. I'm going to go get the gun, and I'm going to bounce around. So I get the gun. I start bouncing around i came across a hen and then i found some gobbler tracks and i was like all right that looks like it's promising yeah but nothing never heard another thing never heard another thing and so i said all right well so i kind of gave it up i just said you know what you got to find you got to find turkeys and for me i like it when you can be on them at first light so i wasn't on them so i just kind of got i said tomorrow right i'll look i'll scout the day i'll find some other birds like i ended up going to another place the next day and never heard anything except for one hem that's hateful and then i heard a gobble off in the distance again. i hate that well at least you heard one though i know and i said all right so then eddie was telling me oh yeah man i'm hearing there's like three over there four really? over there you know and i was giving him the spot where we knew the birds were so he was hunting with ben yeah he had a son okay Son's never gotten a turkey before. So the son's got 20 gauge. So they had encounters for the first two, three days, and then literally had one of those situations where you go to A, the turkey goes to B. Right. Day two, you go to B, well, the turkey goes to A. A, (laughs) Funny how they get smart like that. Day three, okay, they go back to where the turkey had wanted to stay. So, and then he goes to B and then comes close to A, where you were at. <laughs> so, oh my God. so they had a great experience and a, and a great turkey hunt. But, I mean, we, we, didn't, we didn't get a bird. Wow. Four days. Okay, which is, that usually doesn't happen yeah. in four days. But we had a great time. We, we had a great uh, meal plan. I must say that uh, there's a recipe, Chris, that... I think would rival your egg recipe that you have for us today for the Kirby Co. cooking tip of the week. Which oh, careful about that. Which I'm excited to try because Chris actually has the Kirby Co. cooking tip this week. I do. And did you make it or did your wife no, make it? No, my wife made it. Okay. Are you kidding me? I don't want to poison you guys. And it's it was Easter, so it, it's related <laughs> to eggs. Correct? Correct. And? Well, and, is and, it great? And well, of course it's great. Did you bring in some for us to try? I got a whole tray full sitting in the fridge right now. Oh my gosh. Sweet. Yep, but you I told a you good thing, listen, buddy. listen, I, and I said this uh, over the text during the week. 
Okay, you are not getting it until after nine o'clock because we are not suffering the consequences of you down in a whole bunch of double days. What? <laughs> nope, not going to happen. That I don't. I, I don't have that problem. Uh, lies. I don't lies have that and deceit. Yeah, eggs don't like me a whole lot. I like eggs. I think that's kind of true of a lot of people, though. You Chris, know? let me ask you a question about uh-huh. your deviled eggs here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have pickles in them? Or should I ask, I'm does not, your wife I'm, have pickles I'm, in them? You're not going to divulge the no, secret. No, uh, I'm not. She didn't give me the recipe to pass along, so you ain't getting jack squat. Okay, so then why do you have a recipe? What's what's the whole f- basis of the recipe then? The Kirby Co. I don't, cooking I, no, tip No, the that's week. The tip is not the recipe. It's how you cook the eggs? Correct. Okay. It's, it's the device. The device. That's like a Jedi mind trick, isn't it? You like that? I these do. Are, That's pretty clever. These are not. This is not the recipe you're looking for. Well, wait, wait a minute. Just real quick mm-hmm. before we take a break. This ain't that hard. Aren't, aren't eggs cooked the same for the most part? They're put in a pot of water and no. boiled. No. 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 See, no. that's where you, we know you're that's, not a cook. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you don't just throw eggs in a pot and you boil dope. Them. <laughs> Why? You need, to, you need to watch some Robert Irvin. Who's that? Oh my gosh, Chris! Good night. <laughs> Help him. Yeah, no. You obviously Absolutely. don't watch. You don't watch no. the cooking channel. I want to watch him flounder. No, I don't you don't ever watch, watch diners, drive-ins, and dives. Is, is that on the Guy outdoor Fieri? channel? No. Uh, oh my gosh, God you're bless. deprived. Tara obviously doesn't let you watch any food. Seriously, anymore. tell me. I don't know who, who is that. A guy? He's a famous chef. Yeah. Okay, where? Oh. Everywhere. Everywhere. everywhere, worldwide, everybody. And what's Robert his name Irvin. again? Robert Irvin, like I R V I N G. Yeah, he's an Englishman. Okay, one of the best chefs in the world. Okay, has his own, I guess, his own personality on the Food Network. Does multiple uh, uh, food shows. Okay, an incredible chef. Okay, what is the one he does? Uh, Restaurant uh, Impossible or something like that, Chris? Uh, the, I, I don't know. I yeah. can't remember all this. Yeah, stuff. Yeah, where he goes in and saves people's restaurants and sounds like you watch the it. Food Channel. I do, I do a lot. Is it Food Network or Food Channel? Uh, food Network. Food Network. Food Network. Food Network. Okay. All right, I so, love watching diners, drive-ins, and dives. So why I mean, why cruises, is I could be I could be a roadie on that show? Let me go back know? to my original question. Yeah. You could for sure. Yeah. What's Before wrong? What's wrong with boiling eggs? Nothing. You, you got to put something in the water though, if you yeah, want them to. Be. Nothing is wrong with it, but you said you said the the cooking method is the same. Now you and just don't boil them. You, you can you can cook eggs a lot of different ways. And, okay, and the tip is. A, a little different kind of way. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna discover this through the Kirby Co. Builders Cooking Tip of the Week. Yup. Okay. I right. only well, hope. Let's take a break. We come back. We're gonna have a special guest join us. Obi Wan here <laughs> on the Nimnik Buick GMC Outdoor Show presented by Duck Duck Rooter. There you go, baby. There's a little steely damn for There you, you go. go. Welcome back to the Nimnik Chevrolet Outdoor Show presented by Duck Duck Rooter. Just wanted to let everybody know that, look, if you need insurance, you need to call my guy, David. You know how some people always say, I got my, my guy? You know, I got a guy? My guy? I got okay. a guy. I'm not joking. I mean, David Beam has been my State Farm insurance agent for, gosh, 15 years? Golly. That's, I mean, that's awesome. long time. And I'm talking now. That's a long time to put up with you. He's really good. <laughs> He knows exactly what you need and what you don't need. And the best part is, is that when you call his office, you talk to somebody. A human. Okay. I, I, I've, because at the beach, State Farm doesn't do insurance at the beach. No. Okay. So I've had to use another insurance agent. Mm-hmm. 
And I called Dave and I said, David, can you find me someone like a you? Human. Okay, oh. because I still have David for my for the vehicle, the boat, all that. Yeah. Okay. David, I need somebody that will answer the phone when I call. Mm-hmm. I need someone like you. Do you have he said I can can maybe give you a suggestion. Yeah. But I'm just telling you folks, if you need a great insurance agent to take care of your your life, your home, your auto, David Beam is like us, and he answers the phone at his office. Okay, 904-379-4156 is David's number. And, uh, and again, I said he's like us because he loves the outdoors. He loves to hunt and fish. And the most important thing, that's all fine and dandy, okay? Mm-hmm. But I want an insurance agent who is good, number one, who knows what he's doing, number two. And then when I call, okay, or when one of his clients calls, they answer the phone. It's nice. Humans. Anyway, all right. Just do you think I was a little fired up on that? I think so. <laughs> I'm just telling you. Or he's cutting you a swag. And, I, and, deal I, and I'm not going to name any names, but I've been dealing with this other agent. Oh, okay. Don't, that don't I, get me started now. I already vented last week about my boy Aaron. He'd call me back. Well, when I when I try to call this other agent, you know what it does? <sighs> he forwards me to this one eight hundred national hotline number. I, hate that. I, I didn't. I didn't sign an insurance policy I know. to talk to 1-800. I know. We have counseling okay. after the show for this. Well, he's getting the We're boot. Gonna need it. I'm going to tell you, <laughs> getting the boot, getting gone. I know. I feel your pain, brother. All right. Okay. Let me find your we center. We have a special guest. You want to introduce <laughs> him? Well, hold on. Be now, hold on before I do. <laughs> find your center. Run him out the door. Just oh, you just, you have no idea what we put up with in here. <laughs> no. You have no clue. Um, yeah, we need. Let me calm down we're doing a little Pilates bit. after this at ten fifteen. You want to hang Somebody out? Somebody give him that. Rick, I'm, I'm not like this all the time. Okay, and, and Rick, folks, uh, Mr. Rick Hall joining us here in studio. And Rick is, uh, I met Rick uh, what back about 2013. Yeah, it's been it's been probably that long. Been right a while. After I moved here. Yeah. Been a minute. Yeah. yeah. And and Rick uh, moved to Jacksonville from what I call L.A. Lower Alabama, the Lower real Alabama. LA. I yes, like sir. it. Yes, okay, sir. I, my uh, my father in law and his family are from Lower Alabama, so no, I, I know what LA is. I don't know much about Alabama. What's the big city that that you live close to? Was it Montgomery? So, yeah, I'm pretty cl- from pretty close to Montgomery. I have to tell people Montgomery because if I tell them the actual town I'm from, they'll never find it. It's a little bitty town, population of about fifteen hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, pretty. And what is the name of that town? Yeah, uh, what is it? Well, depend depending on which end of the stop sign you're on, it uh-huh. could be Grady, Dublin, or Raymer. Oh, so wow. I, I tend I've to, heard of Dublin. Yeah, I tend to say I'm from the Dublin area. Yeah, Is my that, son spends a lot of time in Alabama. Okay. He has an office there. Oh, very cool. And goes back and forth. And right now, I had a conversation with yesterday. He's he's trying to buy 200 acres there. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. Tell him to uh, that's get half in touch the town for sure. Yeah, he needs to get with Rick. I mean, yeah, you know give the me area. his number. I'll give it. Yeah, I'll give, yeah, I'll give it to you. I know a lot of people. Give it well, to he'll him give it to you. Sure. He's right here. My whole family's still there. Really? Um, yeah. So I go back. He could use some help. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. I'm actually I got a good friend from here that bought um, a small piece of property over there not too long ago. Been talking to him about, um, you know, who to get over there to do the work for him to get it cleared and all that right, stuff. So, right. love to do the same thing. So, um, growing up in rural Alabama, on a farm? No, well, we had uh, like 30 acres of family land. It was my my granddad's place, and so we lived on the same in the same house that my mom grew up in. Oh wow! Um, Boy, that's so how many years had that been in the family? That's that's pretty wild. Oh, dude. So, man, 
Probably, I, I don't want to, in case Civil my War. mom's listening, I don't want to put, I don't want AHR, it's, but probably 50 or 60 years. It's funny, funny you bring that up because uh, earlier this week when me and uh, my buddy Ed, who's a guy that I grew up with, and me and Ed and his son, Benjamin, were up at my place in Georgia, and my neighbor, Mr. Emmett and, um, and Jewel, his wife, Gillis, literally had, uh, live on this farm that they bought in the 50s. Okay. Well- Emmett, who is 95 years old, his great-grandmother, anyway, somebody in his family, they were the original homesteaders. So when the wow. government was handing out land, you know, the old term 40 acres and a mule, yeah. they got the 40 acres that was right there, which he now owns as part that's of a larger farm. That is that's incredible. Awesome. Yeah, that's and pretty cool. And the some of the well, one of the original homesteads, which is a log cabin, is still there. Still there. Wow. But it's not being used as obviously a house, but it, it's a it's like a extra storage barn. But I mean, you're talking. That's pretty cool. Eighteen hundreds. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean, and see, that's that's what's really cool about a lot of the places that in that area. It's still super rural. Um, uh, my granddad and his brother owned a, a big chunk of land right in there together. And then there's several other landowners that have big areas. And everywhere that I hunt, um, you know, you can find these old cemeteries that are that are still in the woods. Yep. They're all fenced off that are, you know, early 1800s. I, I have one on my property. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. I just... It, it can be a little spooky right at dark, yeah. you know, at times, but it's it's really cool to walk up and j- just know the history you're in there. And when you go to some of those rural in the woods graveyards, it's uh, like the headstones that are on mm-hmm. mine are uh, late 1800s, 1880, and and early 18, not quite early 1800s, but the amazing part about this is, is that a lot of the gravestones are from youth. A lot of young, young people. Only yeah. lived like a year sure. or two or three years, you know, just because back then they didn't have, I guess, the medicine or the the medical care that we have today. Yeah, if you got sick as, at any age back then, but certainly a young kid, it, it the chances weren't good. No. We, we don't know how good we've got it now. So did you did you bass fish and deer hunt in rural Alabama? Yeah, my dad was a huge bass fisherman, and and we moved around a little bit early on before we kind of finally settled back in that area. Um, he, he, we moved for work, and, but he was always as as close to water as he could be. So I I grew up bass fishing. That's still probably my favorite, one of my favorite things to do. Um, but he got me into to deer hunting early on. I think I actually killed my first deer at eleven in the front yard. We had a big, wow. you know, big big huge front yard probably 300 yards to the actual highway uh planted a little food plot and with my granddad's open site 30 30 <laughs> killed a little little spike that's like the but, first the first gun for everybody yeah i've still got it in the safe man i i, I love that thing wouldn't wouldn't trade the world winchester for it. uh yeah winchester 94 yeah. Wow. ejects out of the top yep. wow yeah yeah that's never had awesome. a scope on it mm-hmm. man it's incredible and that, still looks pristine, that's a piece man. of time right there it is they don't yeah. they don't make them like that anymore either yeah. I, uh, I had always there, hoped I'd have a son to give it to, but now I'm just going to have to give it to a daughter. That's all right. There you go. Ain't nothing wrong with that, brother. Because no, you have it. one daughter, your only child. Only child, praise God. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, the Winchester Model 94 and the Marlin Model 336C, yeah. uh, those were the... Oh, yeah, those were so cool, man. Uh, they Some people call them the guns that won the West. Yeah, that's right. But, Rifleman, I mean, yeah. these, these were the first... 
I guess you could say, deer rifles of America. I've read that um, that there's no other caliber made that has taken more whitetail deer than the thirty thirty. Probably yeah. so, yeah. That's probably true. Yeah, I yeah. wouldn't believe that. Yeah, because, I mean, that. That, that was like the round for years. Mm-hmm. Well, that was like any guy that had a horse that had a saddle gun, that was in the saddle. Yeah. I mean, that's what they used to harvest their food It's a food perfect with. little brush gun, man, because they're short. Um, you mm-hmm. can shoot them quick. You can just, with those open sights, you, you know, you, you don't have a ton of range with it anyway, so just right. get it on brown, pull the trigger, and that piece of lead is going to do some damage. And lots of knockdown power. Yeah, lots yeah. of power. Lots, sure. lots of knockdown power, and, uh, of course, when I say it was the gun that won the West is because you could go through multiple rounds with that lever action. You, know, you could get them off. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, so uh, – 30-30 in the front yard. 30-30 Doe in the or front above. yard. Uh, it was a little spike. And I've actually, in that front yard, I've killed several deer. It's amazing. Um, through the years, I actually wound up taking the screen out of my door so I could just – out of my window in my bedroom so I could just shoot from the bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I should tell that. But That's actually, all right. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. One That's of the a, best bucks a, I, I've, I, I killed as a, a teenager growing up was a – Probably a 120-inch eight-point out of the front yard one afternoon. I was Out of the window? Out of the window. I was <laughs> I was too sick to go to actually go hunting. I'd wanted to go hunting that afternoon. Couldn't make it. Was was coughing. Had actually tried to go out and sit, but just kept coughing and coughing. So I went back home. Uh, I'll hunt the front yard. Yeah, I'll just, I'll sit, just in the, sit in the bedroom. I'll just sit in the room, watch TV. And Eat me some ludens and watch dark. a little TV. Yeah. And legit, right before dark – Big eight point. It was during the ruts, uh, and, and we the, he had some scrapes out there. So wow, just timing was right. Put the That's at that point at that time it was a two seventy, and he didn't go anywhere. Did you did you use a rest? Do you have like a bean bag and a window sill, man? Just, just the, the window. He used his pillow. Old school, yeah. <laughs> Old school, <laughs> man. Wild wild west, man. <laughs> right. You gotta love it. That's right. Nothing wrong shoot. with that, man. I could actually shoot back then pretty good. I I, I didn't have the shakes like I do today, so. Isn't that amazing how that happens? It is. It is. I, why, felt, why? I felt like I could never miss back then. And now, man, I, I get behind a, a crosshair, and I can't get that thing to sit still to save my life. So you started gun hunting, yeah, but it, uh, your passion's a little different. It is. I, somebody introduced me to a bow. Actually, um, somebody that you guys know, Alan Dees from, from the Wildlife Group. That's right. I, I, by yeah. the way, uh, Alan Dees from the Wildlife Group, it's a, it's a nursery yep. in Alabama where they sell – and grow all kinds of trees yep. that uh, any tree you can possibly imagine on wanting to plant yeah. on your yard or your farm or your ground, he's got some it. that you don't even know about. Some that they've kind of some hybrids that they've created. Um, but yeah, he, he's Uncle Allen to me. No um, kidding. Yeah, I, I, he's not my real uncle, but uh, uh, his nephew and and me graduated together, um, played football together, best friends, and. Um, so he's always been Uncle Allen. He was like one of the original bow. He was bow hunting before bow hunting was cool. And uh, I just huh. remember wanting to be like him. Uh, he was killing deer, getting in the n- local newspaper for some of the deer he killed. And as a little kid, you know, watching all the, the monster bucks and primetime bucks and all those videos, all you wanted to do was be a big-time deer hunter, and he was as big as they came. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so his nephew and I, we start, actually started bow hunting early. Um, got bows probably when we were in the eighth grade and had enough money to start, you know, kind of try to spend on some stuff. Oh, Fred Bear recurves. Yeah, my first one was actually a Fred That's what Bear. I had. First it was one it was, was a, a compound. It was a compound, but it, it was one of those that had the little bitty wheels on it. You yeah, know? the little rollers. Yeah, yeah teeny wheels. Teeny wheels. <laughs> no, no speed whatsoever. But we shot it, and um, you know, eventually moved up. And I think I killed my first one. I was sixteen. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I killed a little six point one Thursday afternoon after football practice, and um, I had shot at a few before then. But after that, like I've been addicted. I I, I rarely take. What kind a of a stand were you in? Uh, in that time, I was actually in a ladder stand. Ladder stand. It was just a ladder stand on the edge of a food plot, metal ladder stand, um, and got lucky. Had a, a group of bachelor bucks come in that early in the season, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that not pressured yet, so they didn't see me shaking up there. I was certainly not <laughs> hidden anywhere, and didn't make a great shot, but good enough. And and he didn't go too far. So, but like I said, ever since then, I've been I've been addicted. Like it's all I want to do. I get it too, because I have the same problem. The There's a local legend around here, Larry Minyard that taught me, gosh, going on probably 20 years ago. And I remember the first bow I got was one of his old bows. And it, and the let off was, wasn't 80%. Uncle Larry. No, it was like, it was if you were lucky if it was 50. And, got, man, pulling that thing back was a beast. Uncle Allen and Uncle Larry. Uncle Larry. All right, hey, let's take a break. And uh, we come back. We're going to have more with Mr. Rick Hall. And then uh, also you, 904-641-1010, right here on the Nimnik Buick GMC Outdoor Show, presented by Duck Duck Rooter. Welcome back to the Nimnik Chevrolet Outdoor Show brought to you by Duck Duck Rooter. Time now for the LV Hires Inc. Gear Tip of the Week. LV Hires supplies quality fuels and lubricants all across the Southeast. And they can help your job site, your business. Just go to LVHIERS.com to learn more. This week's gear tip. I was, you know, Kirk Kirk and I, we both have those ankle deck boots for yep. fishing that we oh, love. Yeah. Yep. And uh, by the way, in studio, Mr. Rick Hall joining us today. Rick, do you got you know the little rubber ankle boots? You ever have any of them? Absolutely. Do you have some rubber things. booties? Yeah, for sure. Which uh, what kind do you have? Oh man. There's some that are extra tough. The extra tough. You got That's the extra tough? Got. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I, I've had a, a pair of black extra tough and they're awesome. Okay, they were great. Mm-hmm. And uh, but they were a little bit tight. Um, they don't make a a 15, which I was going to say, it's because you're Bigfoot. I, well, I mean, I'm literally, I'm a tall feller, Chris. <laughs> you're a tall feller. So on some shoes, I can wear a 14. It just depends on, you know, the fit. Right. Yeah. Some shoes I have to wear a 15. Well, on my, on the extra toughs, the biggest ones that I could find that they made at that point or whatever were 14. I'm like, you know, they're a little tight, but I'm going to make them work just because I like the, the whole idea of ankle boots so i got a yeah. pair and i've been yeah. wearing them for a long time and they're awesome yeah but they're again a little bit too tight so when we were at the grand opening of the hagen ace Mandarin. store no in orange park orange park yeah okay okay yeah. on a 17 they had a pair of uh mossy oak hook ankle deck boots mm-hmm. and i was like man do they look good you know the bottomland pattern you know but they didn't have a 15, or they didn't have a 14, but they had a 14 there in another color. And I was like, well, let me try that on. So I tried it on. They fit perfect. I was like, man, can you order me a pair? And the Mossy Oak bottom lands, and they did, and they came in this week. Nice. And uh, these are way more comfortable than my extra toughs. Okay. The hook ones are. The I don't know what they have, have done or why it's different, but it's more cushion in it in the bottom of the, of the shoe. The extra tufts are kind of 
Tough. They're kind of tough. Yeah. I mean, I mean. You know, <laughs> well, the first thing I did with the extra tough is I took the insert out and got the Dr. Scholl's gel pack. Okay, so you're not the only one. No, no I'm not out. the only one. That's, that's a good saying, gear tip in and of itself, man. Yeah, I did. Good insoles. Uh, my yeah. buddy Mike Wren gave me the, the boots, and I was like, ah, these are great boots, but. But they're not super comfortable, right? Well, when you got planters, and you've had planters fasciitis twice, yeah, you don't mess around with that. Yeah, so. but they're not. but they're not super comfortable. They're. No. They're kind of a utilitarian work feel to them. But the I extra have tufts. the same ones in this picture, except I've got the blue camo. They okay, make one in a blue camo. So I you have, have you had the hook slip on ankle deck boots? Yep, the blue. I, but I, mine are blue camo. Super comfortable. Oh, they're great. I, Super I had them comfortable. On yesterday. And uh, the mossy oak ones cost a little bit more than the regular colors, but uh, I figured you know what I'm going to be styling the mossy oak, so I mm-hmm. went ahead and. Paid a few extra dollars and got the mossy oak bottom lands. But if you don't want wet feet when you're in a boat, you know. In a boat? Like or, last Saturday. You could have got wet feet last Saturday. Look, as, as a bow hunter, rubber boots are where it's at. Oh. Okay, because you're trying to eliminate scent. Yeah. So those right there could be used for bow hunting, especially when it's a hot. Because, I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of the, of the knee-high rubber boots because they get too hot. Yeah, I get it. Rubber boots get hot. Now, that's the nice thing about the ankle deck boots. But that's your... LV Hires, Inc. Gear Tip of the Week, the the Hook Waterproof Ankle Deck Boots, and you can get them at uh, the Hagen Coastal Outfitters locations all around Jacksonville. Anyway, back here in studio, Jeff Logham and Captain Kirk Walsh. Chris is uh, handling the whole thing. Yes, I am. Spinning the hits. He's going to be doing our I'm running and gunning, shucking and jiving. Special guest, Mr. Rick Hall in studio, and we're talking with, with you about your bow hunting passion and how it first started. And it was uh, Uncle Uncle Allen, Uncle Allen Deese. And by the way, he it, it what is it? Uh, wildlifegroup.com. Wildlifegroup.com. I'm pretty sure is the. If you go to account. Wildlife Group, just go to Google and type in Wildlife Group. They have any kind of a tree that you would want to plant, and their trees are better than everybody else's. I can tell you that I've planted hundreds of his trees. He sends them all over the country. Yes, he does. Literally to your door. And ready to go. So you you had your first experience uh, at sixteen, taking a buck with a bow, and uh, since then that's that's been where you. It's all your I want to do. Been. It's all I want to do. Now, and obviously, you've graduated to a much nicer bow. What what are you shooting now? Uh, these days, I shoot a bear. Um, okay. Actually, just picked up. Um, we haven't got kind of to this yet, but I, I host a podcast as well. Um, Southern Game and Tackle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been a pot, uh, podcast that a good friend of mine, Dex Carter, um, and I started during the the pandemic of 2020, right? We, we got tired of talking, hunting, fishing in the driveway, so we figured why not get a microphone and start it. And, yeah. and through that, I've built a relationship with Bear and just recently started shooting their bear their bows exclusively. And, Very nice. And, and, you know, they're a company here out of Florida. They're in Gainesville. Um, and I've shot bears before and – you know, honestly, wasn't too impressed. I, I'd always been a, a PSE guy. Um, I, by the way, the first bow I ever had was a bear whitetail. Mm-hmm. That was the exact the exact bow that I started with was really? a bear whitetail. Yeah, wow. I, I've got a bear whitetail, an old school one hanging in my garage now that I used for bow fishing for a while too. Yeah, I'd be scared mm-hmm. to shoot it. I'd, uh, yeah, it, it, it's nothing but decoration. Yeah, at yeah, this yeah. Point. yeah. When you have an old bear whitetail, that becomes I don't want to say yard art. It becomes Man cave art. That's what it is yeah, right, right now. Absolutely. I mean, that's yeah. that's oh, art. Yeah. That's art. For sure. Part of history. Yeah. yeah. No. And, but, the you know, the new bears have come a long way. And, and I'm really I've, – I've only had it for 
probably two months now um, and haven't got to shoot it as much as I'd like, but I'm, I'm digging it, um, liking it a lot. I get to take it to an event this coming weekend and, and stretch it out and see what it'll do. So you I'm shoot, uh, what do you, when you say you're taking it to an event, yeah, um, you're going to shoot it competitively? I will. I don't know. I'm not going to say competitively because I'm not going to win, and I'm not a threat to win any tournament. Okay. But yeah, or uh, there's a um, a 3D event in Rome, Georgia, that I'll, I'm going to again, just kind of as a guest through the podcast. I'll get to do to speak at the event, one of their social events um, over that weekend, and um, it's a it's called Mountain Archery Fest. And if you follow uh, archery or bow hunting online, you see a lot of the the Beast Mode Archery Challenge or the totally the Total Archery Challenge, which are 3D events mainly in the western states where mm-hmm. you're shooting long distances and um and, and some of those guys when we're talking it's incredible man I just wanted to kind of clarify what you mean by long distances because 80 to 100 yards yeah wow. I mean we we as as bow hunters and I'm a casual bow hunter Kirk a little bit more than I and then I know you're, you're serious about it but our shot here and most people that shoot bows in the southeast we would consider a long shot 40 yards absolutely and that's about as far as i'll shoot in a hunting situation yeah i mean and there's guys that hunt out west where them 80 yards is well within their wheelhouse yeah and they'll tell you if you're going on a mule deer or elk hunt be prepared to shoot 50 or 60 i know know larry (laughs) minyard that goes out west to to hunt um i think they go to wyoming Mm -hmm. on brad reed's place to hunt elk he says 50 yards is normal yeah, man, but the difference is, like, you know, when you're hunting in the southeast, whether it's Alabama, Georgia, or Florida, if you're bow hunting, very few places do you even have the chance to shoot 50 or 60 right. yards. Plus, right. our deer are so fidgety, especially Florida deer. I've learned that in the 10 years I've lived yeah, here. Yeah, you're jungle like, hunting down here. Man. And, and they're skittish. And they're skittish. They're, they're ready to jump the string, you know, at the, the drop of a hat, right? So, um, our targets are much smaller than that. A, a, an elk at you know 60 yards is like a horse yeah it's going to be a much bigger target um less likely to actually probably duck as far right at the string so you got a better chance and um that's a bucket list trip for me that i'm planning and i will be ready to shoot 50 or 60 out there but but here in 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 what we do most of the time um if you're shooting 50 or 60 it's just for fun with yeah guys, you're, right? you're, you're you know? just challenging yeah, yeah you know, you're yeah. having you know side bets with and, your buddies yeah right? my rule is is 40 yards 40 yards or less and i like them closer i think that's the cool part about bow hunting is, is getting them in your lap right get uh, exactly. them being right up on them get yeah, in my, yeah my rule this past year which uh I, I took my best buck ever with with a bow but my rule last year because i have wasn't able to shoot a lot leading up to it it was 30 yards and then i said anything inside of 30 yeah then I'm I'm taken, but that was you know that was what I was comfortable. With. I, I had to make the same rule for myself last year because um, I was just telling you in the break I, I actually tore my bicep in May of last year, had surgery in June, and uh, when I when I went and met with the doctor, the first thing I told him was I, I got to be shooting a bow by September. Like, whatever you got to do to get me shooting my bow by September. also familiar. We got to get It always rotates around something like that. Exactly. Um, And and I got lucky. My doctor uh, here was a a bow hunter, too, so he Mm. knew the – he, he got knew it. the importance. Yeah, he got it. Yeah, he got it, and he said, "I right, well, let's." Now, did you, you have a just to let people know with a bicep tendon tear? You have because oh, I had one before. A distal is where it tears off of the bone in your elbow. That's what and I then had. You have two attachments of the bicep that goes up into your shoulder. Yep. 
And so you did the distal. I did the distal. Out of the elbow. And I was I was lucky. It was a partial tear. It didn't completely rip and and roll up like a lot of them do. Um, mine rolled up like a window shade. Yeah, mine didn't. Mine had a little little Popeye indention right there, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I, that that helped me through the recovery because um, you know, my range of motion came back super quick and. Um, you know, we met in the gym. I'm, I'm, I'm a workout guy, so it didn't take me long to get back into it. And yeah. I, I, I t- we talked about my daughter earlier. I've got her um, a little diamond um, Infinity Edge bow, right? It's one of the, those. That I got one of them from, for my son. Right, and it's one that you yeah. – it, it's an incredible it's tool. Great because bow. Because it goes from like 17-pound draw to 70 from – right? You just got all these options. Um, and so I actually took that and turned it way down, got it set to my draw length, and started shooting it at 30 pounds until wow. I got str- – and, and just kept turning the, the strength up. And I was able to shoot um, back at 70 pounds before both seasons started. But to your point, like what got us on this is I didn't have enough time to, to practice the 30 and 40. I was just getting comfortable shooting again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so 20 and 30 was my distance last year, and it probably cost me some opportunities because I just wasn't comfortable shooting a little bit further. But – you know, you don't always have to kill them yeah, for to be successful. That's with, right. With deer, my my limit last year was thirty. I said, okay, any anything inside of thirty, and then for turkeys, it's twenty and in. So I, I always kind of set, you know, with a gun with, with turkeys with a bow. Oh, you bow. hunt you hunt them with a bow? Yeah. Come on, man. That's something I, uh, man. I'm turkey hunting is something that just just makes me angry a lot of times yeah um, it'll make i'm crazy. not that good at it i can it see so, the look on your face yeah you see that <laughs> i like, can see I, the I'm growing even, I'm, I'm not that good at it so to the growing disdain well they're a nervous chicken <laughs> yeah. i mean 320 degrees vi- field of vision they're nervous all the time and i mean i have a hard time killing with a shotgun a bow right, it's hard just enough. not on my radar yeah i can't get them in shotgun range much less bow I, range that's me man it's like <laughs> if they're coming in i'm killing with a shotgun yeah, for you sure. Know. So just to go back uh, a minute, because you mentioned the podcast that you do and yeah. you and your buddy started, um, and, and obviously we podcast this show. Right. And yours available, the typical podcast so Pretty platforms. much everywhere you podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Um, you can get it from our website a um, number of different ways. For Southern sure. Game and Tackle. Southern Game and podcast. Tackle, yeah. And, and we kind of started that. Uh, it's funny, I get a lot of people reaching out to us that think we're uh, um, like an outdoor store, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of on point with the with the name. Like I, I remember growing up and going to um, the local hunting fishing stores, right? And you'd, you'd pull up a chair and sit at the bar for a, uh, the gun bar or the bow bar for a little while, and just listening as a little kid, listening to all the all the older guys talk about their stories and tell their stories, and um, you know, talk about life in general, right? And you just mm-hmm. w- would learn so much, and I'd look up to so many people and. That was kind of what we wanted to portray with the podcast. We're not we're not experts by any means, um, but we love the outdoors, right? And we love to just talk about it. Yeah. And and we just wanted that kind of feel. So Southern Game and Tackle just just kind of settled in as the name, and um, it's really kind of the lifestyle, right? Hunting, fishing, and life. That's our motto. Um, and and we try to cover all of those things. Well, and uh, with uh, with the bow hunting, and you talk now, you're a, a bear shooting a bear, and Coming from Alabama, now you come to Florida, and you said you started to hunt a lot of public ground. I did. And we have a lot of questions on this show and have through the years about people that want to end up having public opportunities. So when we come back from the break, I want to talk to you about some of those public land opportunities and your experiences with that, because a lot of people would like to know, what's it like to hunt public ground here? 
Yeah. And then also, there's some great opportunities to hunt public ground. A lot elsewhere. of really good opportunities. Well, there's I, public ground in Alabama that my son's hunted quite a few times. It's available so people don't realize. And we'll talk about that and more right after this right here on the Nimnik Buick GMC Outdoor Show presented by Duck Duck Rooter. Welcome back to the Nimnik Chevrolet Outdoor Show and the Nimnik family of dealerships. You've got Nimnik Chevrolet on Cassett and then Buick and GMC on Phillips Highway. It's the home of the best price guarantee. Nimnik will meet or beat any written offer that you bring to them. And look, uh, I've been dealing with the Nimnik family for a long time, and I can tell you that they do business the right way. And congratulations again to Nimnik Chevrolet. Chevrolet Dealer of the Year. It's like six times that they've won this five years in a row. It's like a broken record, those guys. Hey, they don't they they don't have a problem with broken records at Nimnik. They want to keep on having that happen. So you congratulations. Know, here's the thing. Doing it is one thing, but continually doing it? Yeah. That's impressive. Nineteen forty one, Chris. Okay, when you've been in business since nineteen forty one, long time. Doing okay, right. you're doing something right, and the folks at Nimnik are doing exactly that. All right. So last week, just real quick, wanted to mention this because last week I talked about this beach cleaning machine that was going to be showing up on our coast, and it's called the Bebot, the vacuum cleaner. Yeah, kind of like a vacuum cleaner. So this uh, battery powered remote control beach cleaning machine. It's uh, going to be showing up this week, and I want to just give everybody the dates. It's going to be a demo that's open to the public, and that's coming up this Thursday at 5 p.m., and it goes from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m., and that's at Michaelers Beach. Interesting. Okay. That's one of them. But then uh, all the following day, on Friday, from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m., it's going to be at Volano Beach. And then on Saturday, okay, April 22nd, that's next Saturday, from 9.30 a.m. till 12 p.m., it's going to be at the Crescent Beach Pavilion. So if you'd like to uh, check it out and also maybe participate in some beach cleanup, those are the dates. Again, uh, it's called the Bebot, the Beach Cleaning Machine. Well, so, word is on the street now that the sargazzo weed is starting to show up on the southern beaches. I heard down southern Florida, like like Melbourne, Cocoa Beach, going down to Indy Atlantic. I heard they're starting to really pile up down there. So that big wad of sargasso weed, that like they five thousand square miles, yeah, or whatever something it was like drifting that. towards the coast. We're going to start seeing some pretty good indications of that here soon. Not good. That huh. thing maybe it'll help clean the beaches though. And uh, so we have a special guest in studio, Mr. Rick Hall, who has the Southern Game and Tackle podcast. And uh, we were just talking before the break about some public land opportunities. And when you came to Florida, you started hunting some public ground, but you also hunt public ground in other states. Yeah. Yeah. We, I, probably one of the hardest things about moving from Alabama to here was giving up all the hunting opportunities that I had. I mean, I grew up hunting. Now, how did you get here? Uh, my job okay. at the time. Yeah. We were, were opening up a new. Um, a new office down here and took a role down uh, to, to kind of help grow that. And, um, and you know, when we had been in Alabama our entire life, my wife is from the same town that we're from. Um, oh, wow. We'd been there forever. Right. And so it was really all we knew. So uh, outside of family and friends, the biggest thing that was going through my mind was like, how am I going to hunt as much? Um, it's about six, uh, five and a half, six hour drive back there. And I've still got 
um, some really good public or private land to hunt there. Um, get to hunt with with Alan. Um, mm-hmm. we, we hunt the same landowners. Uncle Alan. Uncle but Alan. That's a drive though from here. <laughs> it I is. Mean, and, if you got a weekend off, you know. For sure. I mean, you burn most of it or a full day basically driving in the truck back and forth. Yeah. And and at first, you know, I was willing to do it. Um, our, the kid was two and a half years old at the time, so mm-hmm. they, we wanted to go back and see the parents and. We would make that trip, but it got tiring. Like you know, just just more time driving. Um, um, found that I, you know I wasn't having as much success even on land that I knew because I, I just wasn't getting as much time on it. And uh, I first kind of had you know the Florida stigma attached to hunting. Like, why do I want to hunt these smaller deer? Right when I've got um, you know this, Alabama I can just deer. drive a little little yeah. further and hunt some better deer. Um, but I kept passing Osceola National Forest on I ten. Right going. Mm-hmm back and forth and so it took me a couple of years and i'm like dude bow season opens here in september and i'm just letting it go by there's a whole month and a half or a month of deer season that mm-hmm. i'm not taking advantage of because alabama doesn't start until later back yeah october 15th yeah. right and and most of the time you you can be in a tree stand here in the third week of september that's right and i'm like man i'm a bow hunter i got I, I'm, a, I'm a hunter i want to hunt so um, I started spending a little time. I'd, I'd pick a couple of weekends during the summer, go up to Osceola and try to find some spots that I liked. Um, and I wound up hunt, hunting it for three deer seasons before I actually finally connected on um, on some deer. And I killed um, opening weekend, and I guess this would have been 2017 probably, 2016 or 2017. Um, opening day, I killed a, a, a doe that morning. And the next morning, I killed a, a seven-point. Um, and I mean, nothing crazy, right? Just a young little small seven point, but still today, probably one of my favorite deer I've ever killed, right? Because it was in Florida in the heat on this public land that everybody had told me was over hunted mm-hmm. and I'm not going to have a chance to kill anything on it. I'd worked pretty hard to get it. And, um, that just kind of clicked in me like, okay, if I can do this here, there's got to be more opportunities to do this. If I'm only if I can't scout the land I'm hunting anyway, why not take advantage of some new places and and, and get some new opportunities to hunt? Yeah, and there are a lot of different places. I mean, Nassau Wildlife Management Area is another one. Look, uh, Florida does a great job do. of of having opportunities available. Um, you know, you've got places like Osceola, um, Ocala that that um, you know for the most part are you know, come as you want, come as you please, right? You, you, you buy the, the wildlife management tag and, and you got your hunting license. That's all you need to go hunting. But they've also got all of these quota opportunities that now I tend to lean a little bit more towards, towards the quotas, the quotas right? Yeah. Where you can actually say, um, I want to try to hunt. I think you get 10 options on your application. These are the areas that I'd like to, to hunt. You can apply for those. And if you get drawn, you know, it's limited pressure or more limited than like Osceola where anybody can go hunt that. Right. Um, on these quotas, you know, they're given a limited number of quota tags a year. So the pressure's down. A lot of them, those quotas are divided up into seasons, right? So it might be 30 quota permits available for these two weeks or this weekend, right? And then 30 for the next two weeks. So it's cycling in and out, not as much pressure. And there's some really cool places that I've got to hunt. I mean, guana, like for example, it's, it's got a ton. I hear y'all talk about guana all the time. Um, it's an amazing place, dude. Just it really is. Beautiful. So many different ecosystems within that area and loaded with deer and some really good deer. And because it's quota um, and the way they break their seasons up, you've got an opportunity to get on deer when, when you draw the tag. 
um, I drew Big Shoals State Park this past year and had an opportunity at one of the best deer I've ever seen in Florida. Um, I whiffed on him, shot right over his back. He um, ranged, I ranged him at, at, at 27, um, and he, he actually took several more steps, and I just kept my 30-yard pin and shot right over his back. He ducked it, but – uh, Played the know, game though. That's what's all right, about. Right on, on public land and had him in, you know, within twenty five yards and 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 just didn't connect. But just goes to show, right? You can make it happen. That was a place I'd never been on. I scouted it once or twice after mm-hmm. I drew the tag. Now, and, where is that place at? Uh, Big Shoals. It's up on the Suwanee. Um, okay, uh, just north of um, what is that? White White, White Oak. Springs. White Springs. Yeah, White, White Springs. Springs up White there. Yeah, it's. It, Beautiful place, really cool. That's right not up. far from me. I knew I'd seen that mm-hmm. name somewhere. Yeah, not and it's only off, a, it, off of I ten. Yeah, it's like an hour and ten minutes from the house, so not a terrible drive. Yeah. Um, and and it was one that that once you draw the tag, you've got it from basically a a, a Monday through a Sunday right type deal, or a mm-hmm. Friday through a, a a Saturday right. You get a whole week up there to hunt, um, loaded with pigs, loaded with deer. Uh, was a really good time, and um, you know, I started kind of taking that approach and like okay if i can bow hunt here and and disclaimer like when it when gun season comes in i tend to shy away from some of the areas yeah yeah um, i get but, that right i'm I, i'm an archery guy and when gun season opens you, you got so many more people in the woods and and those bullets travel a lot faster than or a lot farther than the arrows do so i um err on the side of caution and i look for archery places or places that have archery only units there's a lot of public ground that has archery only sections and, and I, for, I tend to go for, to those for the people that are maybe wanting to try to do what you're you've been doing myfwc.com My, uh, man and it's a great website it like, really is it's every, one of the best you pick you pick for sure i look at I, I've, I've looked at I, I mean 20 different states yeah game and fish department's website and i can tell you that there is none of them that are more friendlier or that more friendly i guess is the way to put it than Florida's myfwc. That's a fact. A lot of them you have yeah, to agree. you have to have a, a, a law degree Can't to, figure to read out. through and, and figure yeah. it out. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, but FWC does a great job with the website. You can decide on you know what area you want to go, what, what section of the state, and break it down. It's going to list all of the um, the opportunities there. And have you hunted the West Coast? Like, what is it? The, I, I have. Vince's Island, isn't that one where the sandbar? So, uh, uh, that's a sore subject for me. I have been applying for that one for, I think this will be my fifth year, and I'm hoping that now I have enough preference points that this will be the year I get drawn for the sandbar nice. hunt. That is that is a bucket list now, thing t- Now, me. tell people what that is, because this is, um, this is a unique opportunity. It's the only place in the United States that I'm aware of um, that you can get a true free range sandbar deer and and a sandbar deer is, is native deer of asia um i actually watched a jim shockey show the other day where they were hunting them in papua new guinea okay right and where they're at, from there and I, I believe india but um and don't quote me on this but it's been a hundred years or so um saint vincent's island it's right in the elbow of the gulf coast and um i think it's like a eight thousand acre ten thousand acre island mm-hmm. and um one of the roosevelt uh presidents i i believe i'm not teddy gonna, I, I think, think it was teddy teddy roosevelt um introduced the eland which is an african antelope mm-hmm. um zebra and this sandbar deer to the island um along with red wolves um there are of of those four species 
only the sandbar deer and the red wolves remain. And there's only a handful of the red wolves. And That's there's, amazing. And there's probably a hundred of the sandbar deer. And these deer look like a combination of an elk and a red a red stag. Um, that they're, big. Yeah, they're huh. they're the the bulls, the bucks are they're gonna you know be somewhere six five six hundred pounds. Ooh. Yeah, and and the the females they're gonna be in that three three hundred and fifty four hundred pound wow. range. Yeah, and there's and so how many how many how many tags yeah, are so there every year? That, there's they give two hundred tags a year. Okay, I think. Don't quote me on that. Okay. Um, yeah, it's limited access, and it's only. Uh, but there's less deer than that on the island. It's like two hundred tags and a hundred deer is the population, and they kill like eight a archery year. only or archery and muzzleloader. Okay, archery, and the only access to the island is by boat. Um, there's no power on the island. There's right. You camp while you're there for the three day hunt. So you camp on the island. You camp on the island. It's wow. loaded with snakes. Um, <laughs> every year. That sounds fun. Every Chris year. Would like to go with you. Oh, dude, oh, that's yeah. crazy. It's, Come on, it, I'm Chris ready. Will, Chris will be your camp manager. That's yeah. right. My nickname is Moccasin Killer. <laughs> every year there are multiple. There's stories of multiple boats either capsizing or on the way out there because of the sandbars and people not knowing their way through. Yeah. Or the the weather just getting so rough at night your boat's tied up and it it uh, bow line breaks and it takes on water so you're hoping this year maybe be will, i'm will hoping be year. this this year man when uh, do you find out like usually typically you find out around june yeah i think the uh, um, june july yeah applications are in may and then um they draw in in okay. july um and then there there's we we are applying with a group um and we've all applied together for the past several years and we should have enough preference points to to get in and this maybe year, get at it. least I'm hoping so. Yeah, it's a well, big animal too, it. man. It is a man. They're awesome. I'm, I mean, it looks like a red stag. Yeah, yeah, it really. And does. they're they're different, difficult to kill. Like I said, there's. So I was thinking it'd be smaller. No, they're just big. because it's you know the name sandbar deer, right? Yeah, it's yeah. it's a wild animal. It's unique, and that's one of the cool things about it. And and those are the type of opportunities, man, that that you can have literally as a public land hunter. You, you know, you may have to go through several several years to apply to get there. But, you know, anybody can apply for that tag and get it. You don't have to be, uh, you know, you don't have to own a bunch of land. You don't have to be a super experienced hunter, but you have to be willing to do your work and your homework to, to get in. But I know Larry Minyard went out there a bunch of years ago, and he told me about it. He said, you know, you're backpacking everything in. Yeah. You know, he went there? Yeah. You, huh. If you kill one, he said, you've got to quarter it and bring it out. Yep. There's no four-wheelers. There's no carts. A lot of people take bikes now to get around the island, and I, I have an e-bike too. So if I you do, do. Draw, I do. And okay, it'll definitely. You got be. some off-road tires on that e-bike? Oh yeah, I, it has been <laughs> it has been off-road. It's a those game things changer. are so oh, totally for public land. They they the electric bikes been a game changer. It has been, and now there's there's getting to be more and more restrictions on where you can use them. Like most of the public ground in Alabama, they're not allowed. Um, uh, there are some areas like we hunt the Eglin Air Force Base at the end of every year oh, in that, February. That's one on my bucket list. Oh I'd man, like you'll have that. to go with us in February. They have um, man, we, I'd love to. We we end the season middle how do you, of February. How do you do that? Again, it it's it's draw no draw no draw for go? it. It's um as long as you have your your Eglin, you have to buy a special permit through the Eglin website, and you okay. have to go through a quick training course because it's a military base. Um, and for the unexploded ordinances, you have to just be familiar with those. Yeah. Um. But no, once you have your tag, uh, you you can go. And they have a primitive weapon season, which which comes after deer season has been closed for you know two or three weeks. It ends in regular season ends late January, 
and then around Valentine's Day, um, they open a primitive weapon season for 10 days. So it's archery and muzzleloader, and the rut is in full swing. The rut is in full swing. And that's uh, primitive weapon, so... Bow, bow and muzzle over February too when the weather's when it's nice. nice weather and cool. is perfect. You yeah. can also go in with a really long stick. You can you can use a spear if yeah. you want to go pr- really primitive. Really primitive, you could use and a you spear. can only wear a loincloth. <laughs> it's not that primitive. Not that primitive. But it is loaded with with deer, and that's just another example of public land opportunities, yeah. right? That, that that you've got. I mean, you can hunt. That's a good one for people that hunt their own um, private land, right? But want to extend deer season and get mm-hmm. another rut hunt in because you can get over there and those those bucks are chasing does or, or cruising for does that entire week. Wow. Um, I, I've kicked myself in the butt because I'm too stubborn to carry a muzzleloader. And had I carried a muzzleloader, we've been going for three or four seasons now, I would have connected on a deer every year. Wow. Um, but I, I've, I've not killed one. I've had several in range, but just not able to get it mm-hmm. done. And some really good deer. I mean. How, are you Because you're hunting, which is public ground, mm-hmm. how are you hunting it? Are you on the ground? Are you carrying in stands? I, so or? I carry in. I actually hunt with a saddle now. Um, most oh, of wow. My, yeah, for most of my public land stuff, I, I will hunt with um, a saddle. I've been doing that for for a handful of years. Which is a saddle for, for people if, if, if you're trying to understand what this saddle is and real quick try to describe it before we take a break here it's a it's like a hammock for your fanny that's exactly right okay and then so you have to climb the tree somehow whether you're using screw-in spikes sticks most of the time you can't use spikes on public land because you can't use anything to pierce the tree i have some short compact sticks that That you can carry carry in man that whole setup dials down mine weighs less than 12 my whole setup saddle saddle foot platform and sticks i'm less than 12 pounds Packs up into a little bitty thing on my backpack, and I can go for for miles if I need to. And uh, carry that in. Uh, use the stick to climb the tree. You hook this little saddle strap thing around the tree, and then uh, you're kind of swinging on your fanny around the tree. You can, you, yeah. You've got a foot platform, but you can shoot 360 degrees around the tree. Comfortable. It's, it's more comfortable that, to me um, than sitting in like a lock on or a climber is. My back, lower back, will tend to get a little sore. Bunched from sitting, up. Yeah. That doesn't happen in a saddle. It, huh. I think it's the safest and most comfortable way to hunt. Is it? Um, can you take a nap in it? Absolutely. It's that's one of the easiest things. I, that's important. Yeah, I get in the. Yeah, uh, you'll fall asleep in, in one public of those. land. A lot of times, you, you got competition to your spot, right? So you you try get to get in early. there really early in the morning or really early in the afternoon. And when I get in before daylight, yeah, the first thing I'm doing is, is I'm leaning my head on that rope in front of me, and I'm taking a nap. All right. Uh, let's take a break, and we come back more with Mr. Rick Hall and uh, Captain Kirk Waltz right here on the Nimnik Buick GMC Outdoor Show presented by Duck Duck Rooter. A big sale going on at Hagen Coastal Outfitters. They've got uh, all kayaks and subs, got uh, 12-month 0% financing opportunities. The kayaks on sale priced accordingly, and then also if you buy a kayak right now, you can get a free paddle. That's a $100 value. Can't beat that. Also, they've got a ton of these Shibumi shades. Have you ever seen that, Kurt? Shibumi. No, that's a new one on me. I think I'm pronouncing it right. Shibumi shade. Okay, it's a shade Sounds that... Sounds good. It's, a, it's got like an arch. With all these sticks they put together, and we have one, me and Tara. I'll, I'll bite. And these sticks they put together, they've got that elastic kind of cord to help you put them together. And so, they, they, you know, you're not like trying to figure out 
how it all goes together. It stays together because right. it has that elastic cord going through the whole thing. And then you feed this stake system through the shade, and so it makes a big upside-down U. And then the so the fabric is now attached to this, and then it the wind actually makes it go out. So I'm going to show you a picture of it here. Yeah, that I've, i got to see a picture. But it uh, it's neat because the wind holds it open. See, see that right there? Oh, yeah, 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 so yeah, yeah, yeah. I've help, seen help those on the beach. Help me describe that. I've seen that. It's like a foil. Yeah, it's kind of like a... It's kind of like an airfoil, like a parasail. And I'm showing it to Rick. to Rick here, okay? Shibumi Shade. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, keep you from getting cooked on the beach. And oh, like you were yeah. talking about how light your your ladder climbing sticks are and then your, your saddle, that thing right there packs up into a little... Maybe two foot long, and it's maybe as big around as a cup. Oh, geez, like it's a portable bimini shade. top. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Keeps you in the shade at the beach or wherever you're at. So anyway, Hagen Coastal Outfitters. All right, so back with Mr. Rick Hall in studio, Jeff Loggin with Captain Kirk Walsh, Mr. Chris Wayne, working it in the uh, on the dials, and we we're talking about public ground. Now, have you on the dials? Is it like 1956? <laughs> yes, pulling switches in the world. <laughs> But the public ground that you were talking about in this saddle, the saddle thing is really intriguing to me. We'll talk about that more here in a little bit. But public ground out west, have you ever done that? Not out west. I'd, I'd been kind of uh, focused on the Midwest the past several years. Um, we hunted Kentucky, um, a, a big national forest there, land between the lakes. Hunted that for several years. Any luck? That place is yeah, awesome. I've, I've um, had a couple, killed a couple of nice deer there. Um, I killed one. Uh, the two years, wait, man, time flies. So about four years ago, I killed a, a 130 inch nine point. There it was the biggest one I've, I've killed there. That's um, a good deer. And then a 120 inch uh, nine point the following year. That's a good deer. Um, yeah. And both of those now I hunted it for six or seven years before I was able to actually put an arrow in one tons of encounters tons of opportunities but yeah. it's bow hunting right and when you've only got four or five days hard hunting with a bow i don't is. care what anybody says it's all about getting as close as you can and i'm a i'm a, a perfectionist as far as when i take a shot if it's not a good shot i will not take it right i'll let them walk before and, i and i'm not you know on these trips i don't want to come off as a as a trophy hunter at all because that's not what i'm after like I'm I, not. especially when i'm you know i'm taking Four or five days away from the family, the 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 cost that it you, you know you have to incur to make one of these trips. I'm not going to be too picky on the deer. If a deer gets me excited, and I'm going to be pleased with him, and, mm-hmm. and hey, right, I'm I'm shooting it. Can't eat the horns. That's exactly right. That's what That's I always exactly say to myself. Right. You can't eat the horns. And the few times that I have decided to like um you know hold out for a deer of the cert of a certain size, it's come back to bite me in the butt, and I've let deer walk that I ultimately should have shot. Right. Um. But we started kind of really focusing on Kentucky because, um, again, I'm I'm big for over the counter type hunts. Um, mm-hmm. There's a, a lot Kentucky's of states. Kentucky's got big deer. There, Kentucky huge. has yes. has a lot of big deer, yeah. and and you know, you always hear Illinois and Iowa and those states. Well, those states you have to apply. Historically, you've had to apply for a tag in in those states. Where Kentucky, you could just show up, go to Walmart, yep. buy your tag, over the counter, and and you're good to go. Um, and we we hunted Kentucky for several years for that main reason, and we love land between the lakes. There's probably some better places in Kentucky, better pieces of public ground than that for, yeah, for Daniel bigger Boone deer. National Forest, is right? One. But yeah. but something about land between the lakes, it's really special. We enjoy it. Um, 
Well, but a couple of years ago, Illinois actually opened up um, over-the-counter tag, archery tags to non-residents. The only caveat being you actually have to be in the state mm-hmm. to purchase the tag. You can't buy it at your over-the-counter over the, online. Well, once we found that out, um, we're like, well, let's just drive a little bit further and let's go into Illinois and let's try it out. This was 2020 would have been the year that, that, that we first did that. Uh, 2021, excuse me, um, was our first year there. And incredible. It was everything you wanted out of Illinois. We saw, I killed a 135-inch eight-point um, the second morning of the hunt and kind of hunted from the ground the rest of the time, scouting for uh, Dex, my buddy from the podcast, and, and trying to find him a good place and hopefully trying to kill a doe. And, man, I saw in three and a half days – 120 deer probably and 40 of those were eight point or better bucks like some really really good deer and we thought we had stumbled on this honey hole honey hole like (laughs) there was hardly any pressure it was the first week in november too and i couldn't believe it fast forward to this past year we get out there and uh man there were hunters everywhere The, the weather didn't cooperate deer were not moving it was super hot um, so I actually, what do you think changed just because of the number of hunters people discovered it? I, I guess so. Um, this area, it had been open for a while for gun hunting only in certain sections. And mm-hmm. they just, they opened a, what they call a restricted area to archery only. And the first year we were there was the second year of it being open. Yeah, and I, that, that third it. year of it being open, man, people were, there were people everywhere. I talked to a guy in the parking lot one day. Um, because literally I had just left the spot I was going to hunt. There was another hunter there already. So I came back to my truck to kind of regroup. regroup and figure out where I was going to go. I'm talking to this guy I met and he pulls up on X and shows me all the pins and he's got pins all over the place, p- spots that I've been hunting. So there's people all over this thing. There was no more secret. Yeah. Um, and that's so hard, I actually, that's hard too. It was, know? it was, oh, it's tough, man, because you, you put in all that time, you're, 13 hours away from home. Um, I had really been looking forward to that trip because coming back from the injury, it was like my goal, right? Like, got to make Illinois. Got to be ready for Illinois. Um, And struggled. And so I had one buddy that went with us. He killed an eight-point, a nice eight-point for his uh, first deer out of state. Another um, buddy that was with us killed his first bow deer, a doe, um, that he had ever killed. So Those are huge there, too. Oh, man. They're dude. gigantic, man. Yeah, thank goodness for the e-bikes, man. You tie a rope to them things and, and start dragging. Um, but I actually went back, um, had an opportunity. My wife is amazing, and she puts up with it, and she knows how important it is to me. So she had actually let me go back to Illinois um, a week or so after that when the weather got right. We watched a cold front coming in, and I didn't connect, but I had probably, I'm going to say he was really close to a 150-inch nine-point that I'd actually seen cross the road one night and I snuck in there in this area mm. the next morning. He runs a doe right behind me at 30 yards. I couldn't get drawn. I then proceed to watch him for the next two and a half, three hours with this doe mm. in between 80 and 50 yards. Just and, tending and her. Just tending her. And she'd mm. lay down and he'd just stand there and she'd get up and feed and she'd come close and, and I'd get were excited. Were you in your saddle? I was in the saddle. Did you ever think about getting down? I did and almost did. So they eventually kind of bedded down. I knew they were bedding just out of sight from where I was. And it was raining that morning. So I'm like, this is the perfect opportunity. Yeah, it is. I could slide down and go go do that. And at this point, it's probably 30 minutes after they had showed up. 
every time I would start to get down, another deer would come in. And right. So I'd, I'd get hung up and finally I'm like, all right, it's time to go. It's the day I'm leaving to go home. I got to hurry up. Be aggressive. So, right. So I start getting my stuff ready and I look back and I see the deer. Like I see the buck's horn move through a bush. And I'm like, dang, they're up. And I look through the binoculars and sure enough, and literally for the next hour and a half, they, they teased me but in between 80 and 50 <sighs> yards. <sighs> Couldn't get a shot. They go out of sight. I, I, once they get out of sight, I'm like, they're bedded. They're, they're going to be laying down somewhere right over there. So right. I snuck down the tree, packed all my stuff up, made a move, and uh, busted them out before I could get a shot. They were literally like 40 yards laying down looking above me, and I assumed they were going to be down in the bottom. Um, but, man, you know, that kind of stuff. Like, I got to watch him do – Everything you want to see a rutting buck do, right? He he pushed other really nice bucks off of the doe, posturing up, blowing, you know, snort wheezing at him. He rubbed probably two hundred trees. By the time he <laughs> left, he was the base of his horns were just caked with bark oh, and just stuff hanging out. He did everything but breed the doe. That, in that front was worth the hunt right there. It was absolutely. I sat. I asked about a saddle being comfortable. Mm -hmm. I sat in the saddle for seven hours straight watch that from from 5 45 to two o'clock when i finally got down um and no problems doing it but yeah. now i had a good show going on so it kept i'd have been comfortable sitting on a limb at oh, that yeah. point right so um but i haven't been out west i think that's we're we're looking at places to go um this year and one of the cool things to me about public land is that you got the opportunity to always see something new Right, I could continue to go back to the same spot year after year and build mm -hmm. on that and probably have more success. But I could also decide to go to another state and just, just go see a piece, of, a, a piece of land, a piece of ground that I've never had the opportunity to see. Have you investigated see. Nebraska? Nebraska's on the list, man. Because uh, yeah. the reason I say that is that you know, I've, I've turkey hunted out there quite a bit. And I know that there are some public ground opportunities out there. It's over the counter. Yep. Excellent deer. Excellent. And uh, that place out there, I can't imagine it being – because Illinois is kind of a destination. That's right. Everybody wants to go Everybody to wants to go to Illinois. Yeah. Yep. But people don't think of, oh, i got to go to Nebraska. Right. Yeah. Nebraska and Oklahoma are probably in the same kind of boat, I guess you could say, because Oklahoma has some deer that are just as big as what they have in Kansas. But Kansas is a draw. That's right. Uh Oklahoma's over the counter. Yeah. Nebraska's over the counter. I yeah, mean, there's a couple of those. those uh, Nebraska, uh, Oklahoma, and South Dakota are really kind of the three that I, I, I'm, I'm kind of weighing in my mind. It's obviously a, a little bit more of an undertaking to get to some of those states. I mean, a 12-, 13-hour drive is not – that bad if you're taking a week right yeah, to go South do one Dakota, of these. you're headed towards the canadian border that's right I mean, that's, that's a, a long hike. way that's it's a long, a long way. way from home so you really got to commit and and you got to you know for me um one of the cool things about hunting in the outdoors right is a lot of times you get to do that with buddies and right so everybody being able to sync up the same kind of schedule in the time is always a big deal but those the western states are next on my list there's uh there's just a mystique to those places some of the wide open country just different than we get to hunt um so yeah, those 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 are three next on the list, and uh, I'm hoping that this year one of those will one of those will be what we decide on. All right, uh, we're going to take a break. Uh, by the way, John Clump, uh, one of our listeners, chimed in and said, uh, "Hey, by the way, this show is going to set 
He said, this show is going to set me getting a sandbar tag back years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of he, people. He did appreciate <laughs> you yeah. talking about yeah, the sandbar. I, I'm probably going to get some of that too. So, <laughs> uh, But when we come back, we're going to do a Ring Power Cat Tip of the Week. And then uh, there's another organization that you've become involved with that we're going to talk about, which is really unique, and I uh, want to get the word out on that. And then we can also talk to you, the listener, 904-641-1010. And I know that we're also going to talk to Captain Kevin Favor right after again, right after this on the Nimnik Buick GMC Outdoor Show presented by Duck Duck Rooter. Welcome back to the Nimnik Chevrolet Outdoor Show presented by Duck Duck Rooter. It's time now for the Ring Power Cat Tip of the Week. Ring Power in a cat rental store has the most dependable fleet in the industry and a wide range of products to choose from. Go to ringpower.com to learn more. This week's tip is next week's show is at Atlantic Coast Marine. And we're going to be live there where they're having their second annual open house and was just trading text with Mr. Brett Cannon. And they're going to have giveaways. They're going to have barbecue and 20% off. MSRP on all the boats that they have. Yeah, and they got Everglades, Maverick, Pathfinder, Hudes, Cobia, Cast and Blast, um, those, those new Crown, what is it, Crown Point, Crown Bay. And they're an exclusive Yamaha dealer, too, so if you got any problems with your motor, good place to take it. So uh, come on by and see us and uh, enjoy the good food and the good friendship there at Atlantic Coast Marine. All right, uh, let's go to the phone lines. We've got me, Captain Kirk Waltz, Chris Wayne in studio with us, and uh, we got Mr. Rick Hall join us. Thank you, Rick, for coming in and sitting yeah, in man, with thank us. Thank you all for having me. And uh, we're not done with you yet. We're going to still talk some hunting, but uh, right now we're going to go talk to Captain Kevin Favor. Good morning, Kevin. <laughs> good morning, y'all. Good morning, Rick. How, are, how is everybody? Doing good. Good. Yeah. Good. Good. So are you still turkey hunting? Did you get one this morning? What? I, I, I do. Besides Monday, um, uh, quick, quick story, um, hunted most every morning and Monday morning just got lucky. I, that's all I can tell you. Right place, right time. Wind was howling. Um, and, and Aaron, uh, he's got a horseshoe somewhere, bro. Killed a hell of a bird. I mean, just great, just, great beard and, on that and, turkey. And, what's that? Had a huge beard. Huge. I mean, like 12 inches, 12 and a half. It was, it was nuts. ZZ um, top. What's that? A ZZ Top gobbler. <laughs> a rock star. Yeah, yeah, rock star gobbler. yeah it was yeah. Uh, Billy, yeah, yeah, but, Billy, but I mean, Billy Gobblerins. Listen, listen, Rick, this is this is my son-in-law's very first turkey hunt. Oh, man. Very first. Never, never, never been turkey hunting. He's you got to be kidding. Killed, no, I'm not. I'm not kidding. I mean, I'm like, you know, I said, dude, I haven't killed a bird in two years. And <laughs> and, 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 and I'm like, you know, we go out and, and uh, um, before before eight o'clock, you got him rolled up. I mean, it's like holy cow! It was it was it was an amazing cut. After that, Jeff, it was dead. Mm. I mean it it is it has been. Um, I I I've heard birds, but I actually called my buddy James Missouri and to see if he was coming up this weekend. And because I had I have heard a bird on his property um, two two mornings in a row, and I wanted to let him know where it was. And he goes, "No," he said, "But go hunt the bird." Um, oh, so nice here's, yeah, I know. So here's the cool thing. Uh, a little shout out to, uh, Onyx Hunt maps. Okay. Because I didn't know the pro I've never been on this property. 
Mm-hmm. I got over here. I heard the bird. I looked at the map, and I'm like, okay, I can go here. And, and I went and set up, and I'm looking at the map. I'm like, okay, I'm still legal, you know. And um, and, and the bird, obviously, is, is aren't they always on the border, on the other side of the border? Yeah, right? oh yeah. Mm-hmm. somebody else's property. <laughs> the, the best turkey yeah. sign is a no trespassing sign because he's going to be right on the other <laughs> side of that. It's unbelievable. <laughs> right. So I, I, I worked this bird until 830. Um, and, and what I didn't realize is it, because I had the bird coming with the hens, is there was a, a fence there. Um, so once they eased off, I eased up to up there to see if I could see them, but they, they had, they had fed off and, and, um, but yeah, they weren't, they weren't going to come across that fence. So anyway, been, 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 been a, been a crazy week. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm sure you guys talked about bomb passing. We did. On, we talked, on, uh, on you lost point. your mom. Yep. We talked a little bit yep, about on, that right on. at the beginning of the show. Yep. Yep. Uh, she, she passed away right after the, the, the radio show on, on, on Saturday morning. And bro, I, I all of y'all, I've got to send out just a huge thanks to all of y'all. Um, and especially all of our listeners slash friends for the prayers, for the well wishes for everything, man. I mean, it, it, it means, it means so much to me and Carrie and my family. And and the, and the cool thing was is that uh, Kayla and her husband and the new baby, they they all got to see mom before she passed. So that you know, and they had they hadn't seen mom for over a year. So so that was really cool. But the biggest thing is a huge thanks to hospice man. These the people who work for hospice are are simply angels. That's all I can tell you, man. I mean they they made my mom comfortable. They made my dad comfortable. Yeah, they're warriors. They, Kirk, it, it's it, there's there's no words, man. I'm I'm just telling you that to be able to call my dad, you know, literally three four times a day, and and he was updated, you know, and and he was able to tell us what was going on. Um, it was it those those people they whatever they get paid, it ain't enough. I can tell you that because they are they're, they're they were absolutely wonderful, wonderful people. <clears throat> Well, so the rest of your week, uh, obviously, um, a little bit of a oh gosh, I don't want to say a tough a tough weekend for you last weekend, but then it also yep. makes it kind of a celebration of life because you've got your your grandkids there, your daughter, your son in law. You have a great turkey hunt on Monday, and yep. since then, nothing, nothing, nothing. No, it's 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 been you know I've heard some birds on the roost. Jeff, I mean, and, and then and then obviously when they're pitching down, they're 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 pitching down somewhere else with with hens because there is, I mean, by eight o'clock, you know, you're sitting there and you haven't heard anything for an hour. Um, you know, you I, I, I can tell you this, brother, I put some miles on the boots. <laughs> you know, uh, just just trying to find to, to strike up a bird all weekend. Um, yeah, the crazy it, thing it, is, a lot of times yeah. when that happens, where you have them gobble on the roost and then they hit the ground, you get a gobble or two on the ground. They stop, and then all of a sudden around 10, 30, 11 o'clock, you kind of can have the opportunity of striking another one up, or they'll start to gobble because they're trying to find more hints. I, that hasn't been happening for me. I, 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 no, me neither, Jeff. See, our place, I, I, you know, I, I, Kevin has been I, on I, fire. Um, and, 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 I mean, I, I got a picture from uh, cousin Bobby Hughes this morning. He killed a double this morning Jeez, um, wow. in, in Macon, Georgia. He said it was unbelievable. So, well, when I say to him and his, him and a buddy of his, right. they, they 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 both killed one. Now I've and heard. So, 
I've heard a lot of y'all talking about, and I think you guys were talking earlier this morning about it just being a funky turkey season. And the little bit that I've done this year has seemed that way too. And I'm not a turkey expert by any means, but Kevin, kind of question for you. It's like this year has been a little season warmer than normal, right? We, we had a warmer winter. Um, and it, is there any of, of that that's led into this where maybe the turkeys were breeding earlier and they're just done already? I, I absolutely well the only thing is is that like this bird this morning had six hens i watched them um it, and then driving around uh yesterday afternoon i, I did see one gobbler with a couple of hens but it's a great question rick simply for the fact that the middle of february really till the third week of march my cameras were lit up with gobblers and hens i mean and and i, I mean where my place is in Georgia, I've showed Jeff and Kirk all the pictures. My front yard was littered with turkeys, gobblers, hens, and, and I mean, you know, you could you could simply watch them do everything that turkeys do, and then all of a sudden, I mean, I, I there's not a turkey on my property. What happened? I don't know, bro. I'm I thought maybe that been, Aaron was that's the bird that Aaron killed. Well, there there, there was two two gobblers came in that morning and i don't think that either one of those were were the gobblers that that have been but and and the reason i say that jeff is that i had probably 30 hens and you know at at times and and i I haven't even seen a hen the first hen i've seen this morning was was this morning you know and 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 again this is this is two miles away from my property i mean this isn't i'm I'm nowhere near my lease you know so I, yeah, I, but but I, I agree with uh, with all the warm weather we had in February, those birds started early. There's there's no doubt in my mind. Interesting, makes sense. Yeah. All right. Well, did you yeah. hunt this morning? I did. I just got out of the woods. I just told you. Yeah. I, okay. This morning's and I, I, I had. The, I know, but I mean, I had, you, this, you've been talking about all week. It's been tough. It's the same thing this morning. Well, again, what I did, I, I, where I've heard a bird was not on my property okay is this the hazuri bird that you hunted this morning okay i I didn't know that that was this morning i didn't know if that was earlier in the week yeah yeah so so it was funny because i started on one end of his property and the bird was on the other end so i called him at 701 i'm like bro the bird's on the other end of the property do you is it okay if i go over there and he's like yeah go ahead you know so that's what i'm saying with i didn't i don't know the borders i've never been on this property but with with onyx uh, I just pulled it up, and I'm like, okay, I'm good. I, I I know where I can go and where I can't go. It's pretty pretty damn cool. Now, it, uh, in in the state of Georgia, you're allowed to turkey hunt in the afternoon. Have uh, Have you tried any afternoons? I haven't. Okay, I'll be honest with you, I haven't. I mean, I, we've had so much to do. We've 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 had so many projects and stuff, and and um, I don't know. You know, the afternoon things just kind of eh to yeah. me. I, I tell you what, really I had. Is. An epic afternoon hunt, unlike any I've ever had turkey hunting with my How about son. That? And this bird, Kevin, we go in the woods behind the house in a place we call the Ten Point Stand, where I killed that big Ten Point this year. And it's on the edge of the swamp. And we go in at six o'clock, and we're just going to go roost a bird. We got him on the game cameras. We know they're there. We go in at six o'clock with his friend Frank, who is a wildlife biologist like my son, one of the best turkey callers I've ever heard. I mean, this guy's mm-hmm. 32 years old, and he was really good. And we go in at 6 o'clock, and we're standing there, and I'm the only one that brought a gun. <laughs> and, and Kyle and Frank are standing there, and he goes, well, let's just let's just hit the call one time. So Frank pulls his call out and execute a perfect 
turkey yelp. And I'm sitting there, and we're just looking at each other, and you can start to hear some of the warblers, you know, run up, and you hear the catbirds. And all of a sudden, this gobbler hammers it. And I look at the boys, and I said, I think it's game on. And they go, let's, let's try it. And so we sat down. We spread out into a little triangle. And we wait about 15 minutes. Frank goes, Mr. Waltz, you just sit. I'm going to do all the calling. And he does it again, and this gobbler just double gobbles. And I'm going, he's, he's coming. It's 6.15. <laughs> if you get a gobbler yeah. in the afternoon, there's a good chance you can kill him, yeah. And I agree, Rick. Absolutely. And he's, and he's coming in, and I got the gun up, and he gobbles again. And we're just sitting there. I know they were grinning as much as I was. I was mm -hmm. like, this is freaking awesome. And about 6.20, 6.25, he hits the call again, and bam, he's like 150 yards out. Don't call anymore. You know? So we shut up. He gobbles again. He's closer. And I, and, and I hear Frank going, Walt, Mr. Waltz, get the gun up. Go ahead and get it up. So I'm, I've got it on my shoulder ready to go. I clip the safety off, and I'm pointing straight up. Well, Kyle's over here on the left, and he's on a little rise. He's been watching this gobbler for 100, 150 yards come in, strutting, gobbling, and we can't Ooh. see him. Uh, Frank and I can't right. see him. And I've got the gun pointed straight ahead where I think he's coming from, and all of a sudden I hear Frank go, left. And I'm going, oh, crap. And I, so, I, you know, you do that peripheral as far as you can look with your eyes mm -hmm. to the left. And I see the white head coming. I'm going, oh, my God, he's right. He's way over there. And, and I'm like, I'm thinking, son, why didn't you tell me you saw that gobbler way over there? But I move the gun a little bit when he goes behind a tree. I get yep. halfway there and I stop. And I hear him coming through, and he's looking around. I can see him looking, and it looks like he's going to go into strut. And just as he gets behind a tree, I move, and it catches on a blueberry bush. <laughs> and and as soon as that gun swings through the blueberry bush, you know what the bush does. Yep. yep. Done, yep. It, it pops straight up, and all of a sudden I hear that. Shaking the bush, boss. Goodbye. And I'm like, there's a big blueberry bush right there, but I got 906 BBs, and they're coming. You know what I don't, I don't understand sometimes is that with the, a, a gobbler like that will get spooked off of something movement. Well, what if that was like a hen yeah. that just bumped yeah. into think, a bush? I think the same thing. I, 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 I've always thought that one. He's looking for you, and, and you make just a little movement. Why? I'll, I'll buck, buck, he's gone, right? I mean, oh, yeah. Well, you would think, how, how does he know that's not a hen? Yeah. I know. I shot, too. Yeah. Interesting. I, I, I yeah. shot. It just goes to show you how missed. good their vision is. Too good. Yeah, a, a, absolutely. All right, so so I got to give you the highlight of the week. Okay. Obviously, Aaron killing the turkey on on Monday morning was yeah, was amazing. Cool. Very cool. But but the highlight of my week was Macy catching that big bass. Uh, <laughs> that was that was that was incredible. I I I I got a little Brimbuster rod, and she uses that to, to catch her own shiners. And, 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 and man, she's, she's catching shiners and I'm, uh, I'm trying to tell her about, you know, okay, we're going to take the shiner. We're going to catch a bass. Well, it would have been on, on Wednesday evening. Um, she caught two, but they were like two pounders, you know? Yeah. And then on, on, on Thursday evening, we were, it rained all day and it quit about five o'clock. And I'm like, I'm like, Macy, you got to go catch some shiners. You got to go down there. And, um. She she she's like all right pop pop so you know I mean she's good right she's catching shiners I put one on 
and it wasn't out there five minutes and just this huge explosion. And, and I mean, I, I just kind of held, held the rod. I, I set the hook a little bit, but I, and then I handed it to her. I'm like, it's yours. And this thing's taking drag. I mean, I'm like, oh my god, that's awesome! It, it, it was, it was awesome. Jeff's the, in here the showing fish. the picture, dude. That's a stud. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, the fish was rode out. It was, it was pretty, pretty skinny, but it was, um, it, it, it was an incredible moment. I mean, a, a, as a grandfather, man, that was, yeah, that that stuff. was fun. And that how was, how thrilled was she? Oh, you can't even imagine. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it was, and and in the first picture. Um, I took, I, I was holding the fish in front of her, and she's like, Pop-Pops, I, I want to hold the fish. I want a picture with nice. you holding the fish. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's, she's, not, she's not squeamish at all. Uh, not at she all. did great. She, she did She did absolutely great. Uh, congratulations. Enjoy enjoy the time with family. Uh, sorry to hear you about buddy. your mama, but uh, she's in a better but place. She's in a better place, brother. Amen. And, uh, again, thank you guys, and thanks to – to the Outdoor Show family, all of our listeners, uh, it, it, it meant a lot to, again, to Carrie and I and, and, and the family. We appreciate it. Love all you, brother. All right, brother. All right, brother. Y'all be good. Enjoy the day and the family. Yes, sir. See you. All right, we're going to take a break. We come back. Uh, Rick, you're going to get to talk to Mr. Top Gun. I'm, I've been looking forward to that. I knew. <laughs> I've been looking forward to that. <laughs> That's Rick the us, highlight of every guest. <laughs> Rick told us earlier, he said, I just didn't want to follow Top Gun today. Well, he hasn't had to follow Top Gun. Well, he's going to get to talk to him right after this right here on the Nimnik Buick GMC Outdoor Show presented by Duck Duck Rooter. Hey, the Nimnik family of dealerships where you get a best price guarantee and also you get treated right. That's why the Nimnik family of dealerships have been around since 1941. They do business the right way. And congratulations to Nimnik Chevy. They just got their sixth, yes, count them six, and five in a row Chevy dealers, dealer of the year. Congratulations to the folks at Nimnik. All right, let's go to the phone lines and let's bring up Mr. Top Gun himself. What's going on, boys? Morning, How you Top, doing? Top Gun, we're doing great. It's me and Morning, morning. Got Mr. Rick Hall. What's up, yeah, hello, 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 Mr. Rick. Welcome to the Outdoor Show. Uh, coming from you, Top Gun, that means a lot, man. You're I, doing a you're doing a great job. I appreciate that. I appreciate it. Yeah. Tough yeah, shoes I'm, to fill uh, without Captain Kev here. Yeah. And uh, I want to say hello to Captain Favor. Sorry about his mom. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, brother. Just letting you know, hang in there. Um, I got a Top Gun salute. Uh, one of my friend's wives made, uh, lasagna, homemade lasagna and big meatballs. Okay. I got two, I got two big meatballs and two big slabs of lasagna. Delish. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. So, uh, live promo next week, right? We are live at Atlantic Coast Marine, and uh, and also Dr. Quentin White from Jacksonville University Marine Science Research Institute will be joining us there as well. So it'll it'll be fun. Cool. cool. I'd like to meet him. Uh, is there a lot of parking there? Uh, no. 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 Where Where will you park? You can park behind the uh, maintenance shop. On the back uh-huh. road, uh, there is some limited parking out in the 
shop area in front of the office and off to the side. I mean, there's some side streets in there, so that, I mean, you can find a place to park, but it's there's not a ton of it. Right. Um, well, maybe I can get there early enough and get a spot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, here's your trivia question. Captain Kirk will get this, I'm sure. Oh, okay. I like Here to do go. music. I like to do music because music is a big part of the show. Amen. In the late 70s, there was a group that emerged, six guys, and they all had a different different identity. Mm-hmm. That's the clue. That's the clue. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had several songs, but they had one song that made it all the way to number two. Mm-hmm. What was the song and who was the group? Well, that's not a lot of information there because there's oh. a lot of six-man groups. No, nope. I, I, okay. I, know, I know exactly Can who I it is. Can I guess Top Gun? Yeah, go ahead. I'm going last. I'm going to say the Village People, YMCA. All right. Jeff. Uh, I'm going to let you do, you go, Chris. Oh, well, that, well I'm, I'm not guessing. I know this. Oh, you know it? I know okay, it. So oh, well, right. then you go ahead, I don't have a clue. Yeah, it is. Uh, Rick is absolutely correct. It is the Village People, and it is YMCA. All right. Correct the moon dough. I didn't know there were six of them. I didn't yep. either. After I was thinking now, now, can you name them? No. No, I'm not even going to go. No, I can't try. name them, but there was an Indian, yep. a policeman, yep. a construction worker, yep. uh-huh. uh, a biker, a biker, a, a guy in leather, all leather suit. Cowboy. And. Jazz. Yeah, and a cowboy, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it was the yeah. identity clue when he said that they all six that's had a right. diff- their own identity. That's what made me think village people. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Even though I that's a tad that before my good. time. <laughs> I thought that was a pretty good clue. That's a good one. But I didn't think, I thought Kirk would get it because he had oh, that band obviously. with a uh, eight track <laughs> player. Eight track. Oh, and Kirk just oozes village people. Oh, he does. Oh, yeah. He does. Yeah, oh, yeah. Platform he's he's wearing an Indian headdress right now. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Hey, uh, Bubba and Earl were out in the middle of this lake. Oh, was Bubba blonde? No. Okay, just want to clarify and, that. And Earl they're is. sitting in the boat, and they're chewing tobacco and spitting and drinking beer. And all of a sudden, uh, Bubba says, uh, hey, Earl, I'm thinking about divorcing my wife. And Earl says, well, how come? And he said, uh, she ain't said one word to me in damn near three months. And Earl spits and takes a swig of beer. He says, if I was you, I'd think long and hard about divorcing her. And Bubba said, how come? And Earl said, because women like that are hard to find. LTS, baby! Oh, my gosh. That's a good one. Oh, boy. Come on, Top Gun. Love it. Love it, brother. Good one, Top Gun. All right, let's go back to the phone lines. Charles has an e-bike question for you, Rick. Okay. Morning, Charles. Good morning, Captain Rick and everybody else. Well, not a Captain Rick, just Rick. Rick. Okay, Rick. Um, I was curious, what's a, what's the price range of a decent e-bike, and uh, does it have enough torque to to pull a deer carcass out of the woods? Yeah, so, so that's actually a really good question, because just like anything, man, in the outdoors, you can spend as much money as you want to on an e-bike. Um, some of the big brands like Quiet Cat, um, you know, you can get up money. to seven to nine thousand dollars, seven, Crazy. eight, nine thousand dollars if you're talking about a carbon fiber super light bike. I'm, I don't, I, I my, my pockets are not that deep, um, ah. and so I, 
Yeah, there, there's a couple of brands um, that you can get their entry model bike for around fifteen, sixteen hundred dollars. Um, I have uh, a Hemiway is the brand that I've got. Um, I also have uh, a Rad Power um, model. They're pretty much the exact same bike, and I bought mine both used, um, so I didn't pay full price and got a pretty good deal on them. But that fifteen, sixteen hundred dollar range is probably the minimum you would want to spend for a something that you're going to be using in the woods. Um, I, I have used mine personally, that Hemiway, to pull deer for over a mile uh, in both Kentucky and Illinois, just hook wow. a rope to their neck. And now you can't ride the bike when you're doing it, yeah. but you can use the throttle and walk alongside of it. Yep. Um, what's made a huge difference, though, is I spent, uh, I think, $50 uh, at Tractor Supply and bought a deer sled. Yeah, right? smart. Just just a plastic deer sled that you can tie rope to the back of the bike and mm-hmm. put that deer, and makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. Um, you can actually, a smaller deer, you can pull it out um, while riding the bike. They make, there too. they make those two, I believe that have like almost are made of canvas, like a canvas yeah, material sure. that rolls up. So it's easier to tote. Yeah. And that, that might actually be worth looking into. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like that fifteen, sixteen hundred dollar range for a new bike is going to be about bare minimum. And, the, and if you're, I'm not particular to any brands, but um, in that price range, the Hemiway bike and uh, the Rad Power are, are are good options there. And quick note about the deer sled. Great idea. The trick is actually teaching the deer how to ride the sled. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> Very true. Great, Chris. That's true. They're so clever. All right. Thank you, Charles. Hey, have a great morning, yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks, Charles. Yeah, take care. Yeah, the uh, – I'm pull, pulling up now to what I'm talking about is um, – it's called a Magnum Deer Slayer game sled, and it's that's the it kind of has a slick uh, sheet, so it's it's not like a fixed right. Um, it's like a tarp kind of thing. Yeah, it's kind of a tarp, but I've it's meant them, yeah. to to be pulled across the ground, so it's obviously good for carrying into a far reaching. Yeah, it's a places. game changer. Like I, I'll take that deer cart. I mean, they make trailers for the, for the bikes too, right? But again, you're talking yeah. three, four, five hundred dollars extra to get the trailer. I've, I've used the, um, the deer sled to carry gear in and out of woods. Cause mm-hmm. as much of a game changer as it is on private, on public land for private land, it's just as good where you don't have to drive your truck as closer riding the ATV through you can be oh, super Oh my deer quiet dragon days are over with buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't drag deer anymore. That's what they made got an ATV wheelers. And- All right, be- before we uh we get to the break I-, I wanted to bring this up because uh you're on the board of directors for a new and it's a locally founded nonprofit. Yep. And tell people about this. It's it's called Project Savior Outdoors. Is that correct? That is correct. Project Savior Outdoors. It was founded by um, a good friend of mine uh, here from Jacksonville named Mike Dragic. He's a former Marine. Um, and uh, we met each other at church. So the guy's heart is as good as they come. And since 2015, he's lost 15 um, of his own unit members to suicide. Oh, my gosh, that's um, terrible. Right, and, and so um, him with having the heart that he does uh, and, and loving Jesus the way he does, he, he just felt like he had to do something about it. So he decided to, to, to found Project Savior Outdoors and, you know, wanting to really use what, what he loves and what has helped him, right, which is the outdoors, um, to be able to pour back into veterans that are struggling from the same type of, you know, 
mental problems, mental mental struggles, right? That, PTSD that a lot is of serious. Us, yeah, and a lot of us can't even fathom that, right? I mean, we don't we 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 all have stresses, we all have, but but we're talking about guys that have really paid the ultimate sacrifice, right, for us to be able to sit in this room and talk about that's right the stuff that we enjoy talking about. So, um, you know, he 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 asked me to be on the board, and and what we started doing was putting a plan together of of getting veterans. Right, that are that are struggling, that have lost that sense of brotherhood, or maybe that sense of 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 drive for whatever it is they need to do, just a, a form of therapy, right, if you will, mm-hmm. and and using the outdoors to do that. Um, I mean, there's no place. Uh, I I don't care really where your faith lies, and, and I'm not going to get preachy here, but very few places like the outdoors can really put you in touch with the creator. Oh, right? that's the church of really, God, man. Right. That, I mean, it, I believe yeah. that our draw to the outdoors is biblical. It is something that he impressed, yeah. he imprinted on our souls from the beginning with Adam. Um, and so being able to take uh, somebody that maybe not have those kind of experiences, give them a true first-class experience. We're, we're not just taking them on our own boat and hoping we catch a few fish, right? Or taking them to a local lease and hoping we see a deer. We're work, we're working with outfitters that are providing really good opportunities for, for these veterans um, to come in and, and enjoy uh, a day in the woods, right? Whether it's uh, a gator hunt, a hog hunt, a deer hunt. Um, we've got opportunities to kill a lot, to hunt a lot of different things. And, and through that, we're able to to, to hear the veteran's story, right? Share our story, right? Um, and, and, and share the story of Jesus because there's a lot of therapy in the world. There's a lot of good mentorship programs. There's a lot of ways that we can battle and overcome the stresses that we deal with. But we believe the only true freedom that you can find from that stuff, from the enemy and from the voices in your head is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen to that. And when you're able to to get around like-minded men and that's that's what we are we're just regular dudes right we're, we, that's right we're, right we're we're not preachers we're not perfect we we're we're all broken too but mm-hmm. to be able to see that in that kind of relationship in that kind of setting right in the outdoors we've already seen it work miracles in people's lives and change people's lives for the better and that's what we want to do um you've heard through this through the show already man i love hunting there's nothing more i want to do than climb a tree with my bow and shoot a big buck but what i have found through the past couple of months working with this organization is if every trip i go on from now on is as a guide or a mentor as a friend for one of these veterans and i never pull the trigger or set the hook again i'm fully content even better fully content with that and so yeah, it, being from uh, the, the the local area, um, you know, the, it's a, a huge mil- – Jacksonville is built on the military. Yep. Um, and so we've got an, an opportunity to really grow this thing and really make some differences in, in the lives of veterans, the lives of their families, and hopefully the eternity of all the above, right, which is the ultimate goal. That's right. Um, and, and as much as I'd lo- I love talking about the public land thing, like this is what I'm really passionate and excited about. So – I do appreciate the opportunity to get to talk about it, and we've got an event coming up. Um, I know we got a break coming, so no, go ahead. Tell tell us yeah, about the event. So um, we're gonna have. Yeah, but it, before we tell them about yeah. the event, it, you know, just again, it's Project Savior Outdoors. It's a five hundred one c three. Yep, absolutely. If somebody wants to go and read more about it, is there a website? Absolutely, there Project is. Savior uh, Project Savior Outdoors dot org. Um, you can go on there, see our mission, see some, um, we're all over social media too. So you can see pictures from the different, um, 
we call them projects when we carry a, a, a veteran on a on a trip or um, a fishing trip or a hunting trip. So you can see all of that that we've done. Um, you can go on the website and donate um, because we're not getting this stuff for free, right? Uh, um, we're paying for the, the the hunts that we go on. We're paying for the gear that we're giving the guys and and the mentorship and the the support, the resources afterwards. So certainly part of this is if, if you feel the need to or feel on your heart to help a veteran, to really help a local organization that's looking to make the right difference, um, it, please feel free to go to the website, check it out. You can make a one-time donation there, a reoccurring donation. Because we're a 501c3, it's fully tax deductible. Um, and then and the event you have coming up is, it, well, is it on the website as well? It is not. It'll be on the website this week. Okay. Um, we actually just finalized some details on that yesterday. So we're actually, um, I'll call it an archery shoot. Um, it's not going to be a, a traditional like competition, more of a fun shoot type deal. We're going to host that at the Southern Sportsman Outlet here in Jacksonville up on the Arlington Expressway. Um, they've got an outdoor range there where we can shoot up to 60 yards. So, oh, nice. Uh, we'll be able to shoot 3D targets out to 60. We will have some, some competition shots, right? Some long shot stuff, some trick shot competitions that you can register for. Uh, but for $50, which again is tax you know, deductible, um, a $50 registration fee will get you a couple of rounds of shooting on the outdoor, uh, range. You'll get to shoot. They've got an indoor range too, that will have some stuff going in as well. It'll get you a meal ticket. We've got a meal being provided by Ember and iron, the restaurant, um, down in St. John's County. That's amazing. They're going to come, uh, cater that event for us as well. And you'll get a raffle ticket with that. And we've got raffle prizes from Ingle Coolers, uh, JTS Shotguns. We're going to raffle away a bow uh, along with a number of other things. Nice. So for 50 bucks, you could come hang out with a, a bunch of dudes that like the outdoors, know that your money is going to something, get a really good meal, an opportunity to win some really cool stuff uh, along the way. There'll be more raffle tickets there available outside of that. If you don't want to shoot and you just want to come, um, we'll have meal tickets and raffle tickets available the day of. Awesome. Um, there will be registration available on our site as well um, this week. Like I said, we just nailed it down, finalized some of the details yesterday. Um, but before we get out of here, I'll also leave my number um, yeah, so they can call me directly. Well, we're going to take that. a break, yeah. and then uh, we come back, we'll give your number. We're also going to do weather, going to do a tides. And uh, Mr. Tim Carney, Lester, hanging on. Hopefully we can squeeze all of that in right on, right here on the Nimnick Buick GMC Outdoor Show presented by Duck Duck Rooter. Welcome back to the Nimnick Chevrolet Outdoor Show presented by Duck Duck Rooter. Let's do a weather report brought to you by the best barbecue in Jacksonville. That's the Bearded Pig. Two locations, one at the beach, one in San Marco on Kings Avenue. Today, west winds 5 to 10 knots becoming southeast, 10 to 15 in the afternoon, 2 to 3 feet with a period of 7 seconds. Tomorrow, south winds 5 to 10, going to be increasing to 10 to 15 in the afternoon, and you've got a slight chance of thunderstorms. And then Sunday night, got a slight chance of showers and thunderstorms as well. Monday, northwest winds 15 to 20 knots, backing off to 5 to 10 in the afternoon, seas 2 to 4 feet. And then Tuesday, north winds 5 to 10 knots becoming east in the afternoon. Tides Report brought to you by Angie's Angie Subs. Best uh, sub shop in Jacksonville. Went there yesterday. And uh, if you're ever in there, get the crispy French fry tater tot mix. You'll love it. Yep. They also have salads if you're a health food nut. You want a good salad with a little blanket of 
chicken salad on top. Not Rise too bad. Rise and tater tots mixed. Mm-hmm. Come on. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I try not to do that very often, Rick, but it just that's happens a lie. more frequently. That is than such it a lie. Every, it time, every time yeah. you go there, that's yeah. what you get. Check that cholesterol there. But anyway, uh, the Mayport Ferry Dock right now is recording a high tide at 5.52 a.m. this morning. And right now, we've got a low tide coming up at 11.26. Good tides for the next couple of days. So if you want to go today, tomorrow, next day looking good. All right, now let's do a uh, Kirby Co. Builders cooking tip of the week. Kirby Co. Builders industry leader and proven provider of framing, drywall, interior, and exterior, and finishing on both commercial and residential products. Go to KirbyCoBuilders.com to learn more. This week's tip comes from Mr. Chris. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. Now, first, uh, let's talk about the deviled eggs. How good are the deviled eggs that my wife made you? Outstanding. Good. Good. Yeah. See? Outstanding. Now, one thing that we did not talk about, and of course, the taste is fantastic, but the key to a really good deviled egg that people don't talk about much is just how good and how smooth the egg is. All right? And that's about, the, about peeling, right? Okay. Okay? And you know when you hard boil an egg... If you don't take care of it properly, you're going to pull a bunch of the egg white and it's going to look, you know, like the moon's surface and it's just not not appropriate. I have that problem quite often. Yeah. Frequently. Yes. Yeah. So so this contraption that we have up for the uh for the this uh, cooking tip, it's an old as seen for TV thing, but it's one that actually works. It's called the Copper Chef Perfect egg maker is uh, this made by the Copper Crisper people? I, I I'm probably not, so. I think that it's the same branding, probably not out of the same factory. Okay, uh, basically because three quarters of it's plastic. But uh, the whole idea is instead of boiling them submerged in water, essentially what you're doing is steaming them. So you stack eggs inside this this contraption. You can you can cook up to fourteen eggs. Looks like something out of the Jetsons. Fourteen eggs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you pour just a little bit of water on a burner that sits underneath. Okay, mm-hmm. so this is a completely self enclosed contraption that you're talking about. One hundred percent. Yeah. And so you just plug it in. You turn it on. And then it automatically shuts off. It, the key is the amount of water that you put in the bottom. Mm-hmm. And that's what dictates whether it's hard boiled or whether it's soft boiled, and you can and you set it up for the number of eggs and how you want to cook them, and and that's it. And when that water burns off, then it's then it's done. Well, I gotta say, I, I honestly couldn't tell the difference between how your eggs are cooked and how my eggs are cooked in water, but I will say that your deviled eggs that your wife made because mm-hmm. they're really not yours. Correct. The wife's deviled eggs are really good. Yeah. So so the biggest difference, and you couldn't have seen this, is that this method is faster, and you just set it and forget it. Okay. Yeah. So once once you load the eggs up, once you dump the water in, uh, you walk away. So you mean I got to have another cabinet gadget. just store another gadget? Another yeah. gadget. One hundred percent, you do. <laughs> oh yeah. Let's yeah. see. You got me. What was the other gadget you got me? Um. The uh, the quick cooker thingy. Oh, the air fryer. Air fryer. The air fryer, okay, you, yeah. You sold me an air fryer. Yep. Yeah, we got one Now of you're trying now. to sell me this sell egg cooker. Yep, and and if you remember, a few years ago, I did get you a pocket fisherman. So yeah, I got you Ronco. one of those, too. Yeah. yeah. 
And uh, and then uh, there, there's another cooker that you're trying to sell me. Anyway, I think I got five cookers in a, that's taken up an entire closet. That's right. Just because of your cooking tips. Put, put my name on that cabinet. Okay. All right. Uh, Mr. Rick Hall's in studio with us. Captain Kirk, me, Jeff Lagerman. Chris right there is buying us all kinds of gadgets. Let's go to the phone lines and bring up Mr. Tim Carney real quick this morning. Morning, Tim. Hey, morning, fellas. Morning, Tim. Morning. Morning. Boat ramp's full, guys. I bet. Oh, yeah. It's a beautiful, beautiful day down here. <clears throat> I got the uh, 64th annual uh, pot party coming up next Saturday. Yeah, for sailfish, um, right? Sailfish, yep. That's going to be at the American Legion there at uh, 1127 Atlantic Boulevard. Uh, steaks, oysters, chicken wings, putting your own knife. $50 if you pay before today, 65 after today, but um, I'm getting 15 bushels of oysters from Harry Price uh, wow. Saturday morning. So uh, I'll come by and see y'all at the show. Probably see Quentin. I mean, I'd like to talk to Quentin for a little while. But uh, that's what's going on with that. Well, good deal. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah, please come by and say hi to us. And uh, you know, Tim, if uh, if you happen to have a little extra, of that I knew fish it was dip, coming. I knew it was coming. That your way better half makes, you know. <laughs> we always like her fish dip. Yep, we're going to be having some of that too. So I'll, uh, yeah, Amy's I'll a good I cook. Is, is that wrong of me to kind of beg for that? No, 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 no. <laughs> not at all. It's typical now. Hey, we're we, just like the village people here. <laughs> that's right. We're always begging for food. Yeah, but well, I'm going. Not to sure that's what they were begging Bayport for. Village. <laughs> yeah, I just I iced up the boat. We're going to go to the ledge in the morning. Hopefully, I get you a fresh trigger fish there, Captain Kirk. Nice. Oh, that would be Ooh, that'd be a blessing. Oh, yeah, I'd yeah, man. But my, that, Mr. Mr. Captain uh, Rogers is doing the party on Saturday, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll have a little Yamaha motor to, to give away and a bunch of other good stuff. We always have a lot of really nice prizes, and it, and it is a stag event, so we can't bring your wives or girlfriends, but uh, mm. love to see everybody. I think it's going to be a nice weekend next weekend, too, which kind of sometimes we don't get the turnout when everybody goes fishing on Saturday, and they you know, it's better if it's a blowy day and <clears throat> they all stay home and think about going to the pop party. All right. Well, we look forward to seeing you next Saturday, Tim. I appreciate it. Hey, appreciate you guys. Y'all have a great show. Yeah, all right, Tim. Uh, take care. Thank you, Tim. Yeah, yeah, yeah next Saturday right. we're going to be at the Atlantic Coast Marine. Yeah, right down Atlantic the Coast Marine is putting on the dog. They've got food. They've got giveaways. Uh, Dr. Quentin White's going to be joining us as well from Jacksonville University Marine Science Research Institute. So looking forward to being there. And uh, Mr. Rick Hall in studio with us. And have you have you met met in the Outdoor Show Hall of Famers yet? I met Lester at the, uh, one of the Christmas parties. Oh uh, boy! At Ring Power a couple right, of years. Well, let's oh, bring gosh. Lester up. He, yeah. uh, typical Lester. <laughs> yeah. Wait until the last minute to call the show. That's what he do. How you doing? <laughs> Morning, Lester. <laughs> Morning, guys. Morning, man. Lester. I uh, yes, I've been up. I've heard the whole show, man. I've enjoyed the whole show, but I mean the village people. What, I mean, I think a couple of them are holding that uh, that funny Bud Light can that just come out. Oh <laughs> lord! I'm not to go there. Uh, we're, we're not going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! Hey, uh, uh, I was going to ask Rick if he's been to uh, if he when he went to Illinois was that Rim Lake Reservoir. No, it was not. I was in. I, I'm not familiar with that. We were in Southern Illinois, and just uh, for what? secrecy. Purposes. I'm not going to give too many coordinates. I, I, did, about I that didn't spot. think you would. But, uh, <laughs> I'm already in trouble about talking about the sandbar. Yes, I can't are. talk about <laughs> Illinois. Yeah, yeah. I, I fished off that island a bunch. I grew up in that area. 
of St. Vincent Island and not far. Yeah, we wonder what was wrong with you. (laughs) Yeah, them sandbar deer or something, man, they don't, they're hard to hunt on that island. I will tell you that. All my buddies have been there. A lot of of pit vipers too, man. Yeah, yeah, snake boots are a must. A lot of snakes. A lot of snakes. But uh, then I wanted to uh, just come on and say, hey, I was picking on Jeff. I said, I'm going to try and be the last caller, and I think Jeff arranged that. You think? Congratulations. <laughs> hey, man, y'all have a great weekend, guys. God bless. All right. Thank you, Lester. Appreciate it. All right, uh, Rick, thank you for sitting in with us today. No, yeah. man, thank you all for having me. I've been listening to you guys since the literally the day I moved here. And, uh, yeah, it's that. really cool to be in here. We're going to have to get you in the rotation here. I'm yeah. in. I'm in. I could do this every yeah. Saturday if you'd let me. I mean, the one thing that I remember when we first started this show, which was back in 1996. Oof. Yep. And, and, I, and Kevin and I started talking about it, and I said, wait a minute, we can do a show. We're going to hang out. We're going to talk hunting and fishing. And we can make a little bit of money and have fun doing it. Uh, I, I'm in. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. I'll, I'll do that. That's been awesome. 26 years Y'all, now. Yeah, 26 years is, is because you guys do a good job, not just because you have fun. Like, it's a really good show. I do enjoy it. I've learned a ton from a guy who had no idea about saltwater fishing. I'm still not good at it, but I've got a little bit better idea. <laughs> so, uh, earlier uh, we had talked about a um, couple things that you're involved with, and obviously you're very deeply involved, and, and tell people about the organization again, and then tell people about your phone number so they may yeah. get in touch with you. For sure, Project Savior Outdoors, um, and you can find us projectsavioroutdoors.org, and again, our, our whole mission is to uh, to fight PTSD and, and veteran suicide by connecting veterans through the great outdoors, and uh, just sharing the freedom that they can find with the relationship with Jesus. Um, we've got an event coming up May the 20th. Um, here locally, it's at the Southern Sportsman's Outlet, uh, Bow Shop, uh, and really a good partner of Project Savior Outdoors. They've been amazing and are going to help us do a lot of good things. Uh, so we'll have a fun shoot with some competition uh, shots there available. $50 gets you in, gets you a meal ticket, gets you a raffle for a good, uh, uh, again, some really, really cool gifts. We're raffling a bow, a gun, some Engel coolers away, uh, among other things. Um, yeah, and we will have registration available on the website this week. Uh, but in the meantime, if you if you heard this today and you want to get involved, whether that's you want to register, we also have sponsorship available, mm-hmm. sponsorship opportunities available. So any of you out there that want to just, um, you know, get your business name out there or whatever and be a part of it from that uh, perspective, you can give me a call directly. Um, my number is, and it's a Alabama area code. I'm not one of these 904s yet. Uh, 334-398-3950. That's my direct cell phone number. Uh, feel free to text me. Give me a call, and we can uh, we can set you up. And uh, we'll have that information up on our podcast, Chris, correct? Yeah, it'll be in the description. All right. And we're leaving the show here with a little bit of village people, right? Love it. Indeed. <laughs> I didn't know Kurt could dance so well. Oh, oh I can boy. cut some rug, baby. <laughs> All right, well, as usual, the Nimnik Outdoor Show is brought to you. These fine dealerships or these fine sponsors, Duck Duck Rooter, Angie Subs, Atlantic Coast Marine, CNH Marine Construction, Coastal Equipment, Hagen Coastal Outfitters, Consignment Boat Sales, LV Hires, Inc., Ring Power and a Cat Rental Store, Standard Feed and Seed, Strike Zone, Big Pen, Wayland Bay, Claw Nolan Cadillac, Kirby Co. Builders, Wild West Guns and Gold, where I find all of my guns and also ammunition, 
and of course the Nimnik family of dealerships, Chevrolet on Cassett and Buick and GMC on Phillips Highway. And we'll talk to everybody next Saturday, same time, same place on the radio, but different place because we're going to be live at Atlantic Coast Spring. We'll see you there. See you. See you.